Good morning, international players. Welcome to the ENN, the EVO News Network, your only source for poorly informed but confidently delivered fighting game news. I'm your host, Amr, and this is my co-host, Curly. Thanks, Amr. Let's take a look at tonight's top stories. In Ultra Fight Kianta 2, the power of Kusoge compels you. In Eunice, the birth of Shin Clearlamp. In Tekken, only faith can vanquish Nii, the false god. In Dragon Ball Fighters, Goichi wishes on the Dragon Balls for wholesome friendship. In Street Fighter V, Infectious scores a rare third place win. And in Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, the sudden appearance of mechanized Nazis. All these and more tonight on ENN. Welcome back. It has been a packed week and we have a lot of things to unpack. It sure has. In the time since we released our last episode, or re- I guess recorded our last episode, we have had, uh, we've had Evo, we've had all of the post-Evo discourse that that entails, and Evo was absolutely stacked this year. Holy yeah. shit, what an Evo it's been. Uh, so obviously we're going to start with a headliner. <laughs> Ultra Fight Dakianta 2. Yeah, right? The, the biggest game at Evo this year, <laughs> Ultra Fight Dakianta 2. Of course, you've all heard of it. You've all you've all got mains, and you're practicing it by now. What yeah. a great game! Right? Yeah, you saw yeah, that video for... that I did with Josh. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, let's imagine that you've been living under a rock for for the last <laughs> month, and you don't know what Ultra Fight Dakianta Two is. What is Ultra Fight Dakianta Two? Oh man, this is like the second coming of Dong Dong Never Die. Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, it's Dong Dong Never Die by way of Capcom vs. SNK2, by way of, <laughs> I don't know, Street Fighter MS 3, Paint, Microsoft Gear. Paint. Yeah, it's a game that looks like it should be just Kusoge, this, like, the most trash-tier game that, like, doesn't yep. work at all, but is, like, actually incredibly thought out, even though it's completely broken. Right, so Ultra Fight Duck Hunter 2, if you don't know what it is, it's a uh, 3v3, 2v2, 1v1, or 3v1, or whatever, and Ratio the character's health bars baby. will, yeah, <laughs> exactly, the character's health bars and damage values will scale to the number of characters that you pick. So you can either go for versatility with a lot of characters, or just all in on one character. Like in Skullgirls, Skullgirls can do that. Uh, without, I don't think there's assists, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, there are no assists, you're right, as far as I'm aware. But, um... The uh, Ultra Fight Dakianta 2, it's a game by someone who clearly loves fighting games, like loves watching and playing fighting games, like us. So it's a great game for people like us to play, and it's uh, <clears throat> it's complete nonsense. Like, the characters are all like, they look like MS Paint drawings, but in a very charming way. Yeah, there's like a clear art style. Yeah, right, exactly. It's like, uh, what if you drew all the fighting game characters you loved in your notebook between classes? But also, the yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it, it feels like smooth. It feels uh, the animation. It's weird to say about this game, but the animation very much suits that style of drawing, right? Like it looks yeah. fun. It looks cool, and it's like pretty easy to play. Like the combo system's pretty expressive and open. And yeah, like, exactly. One button specials and supers. 
Right, exactly. So I heard about Ultra Fight Ducky Hunter 2 just talking on a, a fighting games Discord, and we noticed that this uh, Anime Evo, the, the anime side of Evo, which is not like this official huge tournament like Evo is, it's sort of side tournaments, much more community run, yeah. had this 65-player bracket for this game <laughs> that none of us had ever heard of. Oh, like, we looked yeah. at it and we were like, what the hell is this? And uh, that was how we found out about Ultra Fight Ducky Hunter 2. I... Like I looked into it, I looked up one video of it playing, and I said, I said to myself, immediately we need to play this game. Yeah, I'm on. Uh, I'm always on the Kusoge Life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm always looking for the new shit game to play. So I saw this on Twitter, and I immediately downloaded it and started playing it. And this is like one of those games that is immediately goes from the what the fuck is this when you show it to your friends yeah, to right, like exactly. everybody howling and like laughing and then constantly asking you to keep playing it. It's something of a it's something of a Cinderella story at this kind of game, I guess, because it's like uh, you, you you get this game and it's ridiculous and it's confusing and it's weird, and a small number of people find out about it, and then people like me they find out about it and they're like, everyone has to play this, and the people are looking at it and they're like, why would you want us to play this game? And then you put it on and you start playing it and they're like, oh, they immediately get it because it's just so fun. Yeah, like, has... if you know the very basics of fighting games, like moving, you know, doing moves, doing supers and that kind of thing, it's just instantly having fun. Like, wild shit is happening all you the can, time. Yeah, you can immediately game. understand the things they're taking from and playing from. Like, right, <laughs> there's exactly. So, there's so much funny. And, like, you just, like, accidentally figure out mechanics. There's, like, there's parries in this game, Street Fighter 3 yep. style. You can parry everything. Yep. Um there's it's, like it's great. different super styles too. There's one specifically yep. for parries where you get health and meter back, but you can't mm -hmm. block. Yep. There's one where you just walk forward and it builds meter like, like right in and leave yeah. fast. Yep. Like if you it's walk great. for like three seconds, you built up a whole a whole bar. Yeah, and it's like it has all of the uh, the hallmarks of like you know sort of the the weird idiosyncrasies of fighting games. Like there's a character who is uh, he's styled after Q from Street Fighter Three. He wears this long trench coat and uh, you know he's got a gun or whatever, but he, and he like <laughs> throws like an people around. Though. Yeah, but he's but yeah, he's also a crocodile man, and there's a, a robot version of him, oh, right. like, who has drill hands, and I so I picked this robot crocodile, and within like twenty seconds of playing the game, I was doing a super that like chipped my opponent's entire health bar out. It's just like matches are over like so quick, and, yeah. But it, in a way that it makes you just want to run up and play again. It's the, it's the a protagonist ton of fun. is like named Kianta, and there's uh, a Kuma version of him. That can yep. do an air super that shoots like fireballs through the air, um, right? Yeah, like in, uh, has... like Akuma's supers in Marvel or something. He just yeah. shoots a hundred fireballs out of his hand. But also has um the raging demon. Except supers are one button, so you just press a one button raging yep. demon. And with like yep. the walk forward super, you can walk forward, throw a fireball in the air, and make them block it. And then as they're blocking it, walk forward so that you can do the demon. <laughs> Yeah, it's a uh, it's 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 a whole mess, and honestly, there's only so much justice we can do to it by describing it to you because it is free on the Steam Store, and you can just download and play it. So if you're looking for a weird way to spend an afternoon or evening, I definitely recommend Ultra Fight Ducky Hunter Two. Uh, and people have been talking about it so much that we're going to need to do a full episode about it. Yeah, so, I did a video with Josh about it, just kind of on a whim. Yeah, like oh, people need to see this. Uh, there's not a lot of videos on this game, so it ends up being like one of the top results.
Right, exactly. But yeah, you need so, to see. Uh... You need to at least <laughs> witness this game. This is a game you witness. <laughs> and uh, if 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 I could tell you one thing to sell you on Ultra Fight Ducky Hunter Two, it's that when you operate the menu in this game, every <laughs> oh single every single acknowledgement makes this sound. <laughs> which means that when you press it, when you press like three buttons quickly in a row, or you and your opponent are both pressing buttons as quickly, it makes this sound like this many times. Yeah. It sounds hilarious. Oh, it sounds hilarious. If you click the credits, the first thing that happens is it just shows a picture of a smiling dog. <laughs> it's such a good game. Yeah. Honestly, it's such oh, a good okay. game. Okay, well, we have to move on before this becomes the Keanu yeah. episode. So yeah, the next, the, the big story for me of Evo was, so I was actually uh, traveling for the weekend of Evo again, which is really annoying, but I made the time to sit down and watch the Undernight Top 8 because as you will find out, uh, soon. Undernight is my game. I love that shit. I play it as much as I possibly can, uh, and it's a lot of fun. And it was the Undernight's first year at Evo this year. Uh, Mr. Wiz did this whole spiel about how the Undernight community have worked really hard, which I guess, you know, we have. Uh, yeah. And we are getting this Evo slot like, over, typically, I guess people would say, over Guilty Gear, which uh, has been on something of a decline in Evo signups. The game is still very much alive. You still play a bunch of Guilty Gear. But uh, there were only like 400 entrants at EVO last year, which is still, you know, that's a big yeah. tournament. Yeah, Undernight's typically been like one of those anime EVO-like community organized side Right, exactly, um, yeah. For the last two versions, definitely. Was it yeah. this year or last year that they got an official English version for the latest? Uh, so Undernight ST's official version, I believe, came out in 2000 and... I want to say 17, like late 2017. Yeah, I think the English version was 2018. It came to, well, the English version came to Steam in 2018. I know that for sure. That that was the end of last year. Yeah. And then, but I think on the PS4, the English version either came out early 2018 or late 2017. Anyway, point is that uh, it's a game that's been on the up and up as people sort of move away, like just typically over the lifetime of a game like Street Fighter or uh, Tekken or whatever, you're going to have people who experiment with other games find other stuff and move on and like undernight has been on the up and up like it's we're, it's we're going to talk about like the growth of the various games at evo this year but uh undernight is one of the few games that has like year on year been just growing massively like the moment that we knew that we had a shot at evo this year was at uh, a tournament at the beginning of this year called frosty faustings we had literally double the entrance that we'd had the year before that doesn't happen very often so uh, we were we were all super psyched that we made it to Evo this year, and we made it in a big way because there were fifteen hundred entrants uh, for Undernight Evo this year. <laughs> Hello, this is Curly editing the podcast. You're about to hear me get the Evo sign-up numbers wrong lots and lots of times. In the end, the ones that we talk about: Smash Ultimate got three and a half thousand, Street Fighter Five got about two thousand, Tekken Seven got about eighteen hundred, Undernight got about twelve hundred. Dragon Ball got about 1,200, and Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle got about 650. Okay, bye! That is a lot for a, an anime game made by, you know, made with French Bread's lunch money. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the money they got from doing contract work, basically, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, it's sort of, uh, it's like Arc System Works, but on a much smaller scale, I guess. Because though Melty Blood made French Bread famous, it's free. So it didn't make them a lot of money. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm super happy for French Bread, super happy for Undernight. And I was super happy to watch this top eight because it was not at all what I expected it to be. And it was hype as hell. Yeah, they got Enkidu in there, made top eight. 
Right, yeah. So the most stacked Undernight tournament of all time. And one of the people playing the top eight is playing widely agreed upon the worst character in the game. And two of them are playing the second worst character in the game. (laughs) So like... Already, we knew it was going to be an interesting one. So the uh, the big narrative, I guess, coming into Evo this year was we were worried. We were not worried. We were interested in what was going to happen between Redblade, the best player in North America, and Clearlamp, who is the best player in Japan. So we have these two players from very different scenes, very different like playstyles, I guess, and they've clashed at a bunch of big events. And we wanted to see how they would clash at the biggest event. But what we didn't what we didn't expect is that Redblade would not even make top eight. In fact, all of North America got bodied out of the bracket before top eight even started. <laughs> and the final top eight was seven Japanese players and one Canadian player. And the Canadian player was playing in Kidu. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so, uh, yeah, uh, it was pretty hype. So we, it was like, uh, I, going into it, I thought I only really of these players. I only really recognize uh, Cl- Clearlamp. Like, uh, so Cl- Clearlamp is like a huge deal. He's fantastic at the game. He wrote most of the guides. So if you've like tried to learn how to play oh, Undernight, wow. chances are you're familiar that. with his work. Yeah, yeah I know, probably right? read it. Uh, you know, he's sort of legendary in the arcade scene. He plays a fantastic Biakuya, which is this uh, this sort of spider teen who. Uh... <laughs> yeah, he's got like if you know like the Iron Spider costume for like spider-man oh he's yeah I've, like, I've, yeah metal arms coming out it's kind of yeah, like that yeah, yeah. um he can yeah. put webs as like traps on different parts of the screen mm-hmm. that activate after a few seconds so you can like put something pressure somebody hit them and then they'll get hit by like a web in the air and you can keep continuing yeah exactly he's got a yeah he, he, he sort of uh with the webs, he sort of exemplifies this uh this uh what we call set play style play where he gets you in the corner puts you in a situation uh, and you, you know, there's a very like uh, a tiny number of decisions for you to make, and only one of them is the right decision. And if you make the wrong decision, you're back in the same setting, the, the same situation, and we mm-hmm. we lather, we rinse, repeat until you're dead. Uh, Clearlamp is amazing at that, and his, you know, he's he's really really good at the game. But because he was the only player in the top eight that I recognized, I expected it to be really like hard to follow, hard to get invested in. But actually, the play from these players was just incredible like i've never i mean we, we we expected this from the giant evo for this game that never got uh, has never had a tournament bigger than like 400 players is that the 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 level of quality in the play from the top level players is was just incredible like um if you want to go back and watch the uh i absolutely recommend by the way for all of these games if you're interested go and watch the vods of the top eight on whatever mm-hmm. streaming site or youtube or whatever uh, because they're really fantastic viewing um and the player that I would say that you should uh, definitely watch out for in this Undernight Top 8 is uh, Hishigata, who is playing Nanase, who is this, like, teen girl with a big sword and, like, winged shoes. She's great. She uh, she she tweets when she kills you. She, like, tweets about it. It's really funny. But uh, just this absolutely <laughs> relentless aggression. Like, tiny little, uh, like, you know, these, these two players are dancing around at, like, a sort of full screen, you know, and then you get these tiny little clips with the sword, like, just little hits, and Hishigata just made these giant openings out of them. Utterly relentless offense. It was incredible to watch. And we also had these, this Enkidu player and these two Mika players. We never expected to see that, like, right. never. It was, it was an absolutely incredible top eight. Absolutely incredible. I loved it. <laughs> I want to watch it again. Hishigata at one point let go of his controller to get a timer scam. He's like, I'm going to win by time anyway. And just lets go of his controller. And you're like, did something happen? Did he lose his controller? Did it disconnect? <laughs> and he's like, no, he yeah. did it on purpose to flex. 
Yeah, it was it was literally a flex. So uh, yeah, Hishigata. Um, so in Undernight, timeouts are a very common thing due to the way that the uh, the resource system works and the way that the uh, the way that the I guess the flow of aggression works in this game is that often mm-hmm. it is a good idea to just stay back and let your opponent do their thing. And sometimes both players decide that it is best to let their opponent stay back and do their thing. So you get mm-hmm. a lot of games go to timeout, and uh, Hishigata was like. Uh, so sure that he was going to win this timeout that it's like normally like you know when you only have uh three or four seconds left and your opponent is at a huge life advantage it's like well i can't kill them so you see you know f- funny stuff like that but there were like 10 seconds left in the round and yeah. he got to just he should got to just put his controller down and his opponent was like uh because like there was probably enough time for him to get that life lead back, but he was just so confused by what was happening, and the commentators <laughs> were both like, "What?" what? <laughs> that, yeah, that he uh, he just got it, and um, yeah. it was uh, it was amazing. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like they have. There's this thing that people call it the no mix up mix up, where you just basically do the same thing repeatedly to like yeah, exactly. confuse somebody, and this is like the no pressure pressure. <laughs> like I'm doing, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing exactly. nothing but exe- like exuding my aura to intimidate you and confuse you. Yeah, you. you destroy your opponent with just raw psycho power. Like <laughs> <laughs> the psychic damage is more than enough for me. Uh, right. So yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is the uh, so the final? So Ishigata, unfortunately, in a really tragic game, uh, lost. It went out in third against uh, Ojito, who was the uh, other winners' finals player, who eventually went on to play Clear Lamp in the grand finals. And the other thing about the grand final, like, so hang on, <laughs> yeah. So we we have Ojito go back to grand finals with Clear Lamp, and the uh, but because by this point Ojito has you know he's played against Clear Lamp a bunch, and he's now played at this Evo against Clear Lamp a bunch, and like. He's been in the set play situation with Biakia's webs so many times that we saw some genuinely incredible stuff. Basically, there was this one point where Ojito is knocked down in the corner. Uh, there are three webs around, so that's like three directions you can't move in, and mm-hmm. three like options that uh, taken away from you. Yeah, the options that are taken away from you, and like there are also additional offensive options for Lamp because if Lamp mm-hmm. runs in and throws you, he can throw you into a web, which allows him to extend his combo, like you yeah. mentioned. So like it sort of it warps the uh, the risk reward on a lot of the decisions. It makes it very very hard to play. So Ojito is in this like very very warped situation where there are a lot of things he can't do. Uh, and Lamp runs in for the mix up, and Ojito wakes up with two C, which is his slowest button, and it hits. And he gets the combo, and he survives. And I think maybe he even wins the round there. And it's just like that kind of stuff is the it's the stuff that fighting games are made of. You know, like your opponent is playing so well, they're playing some of the best that has ever been played, and you do the dumbest possible option. Yeah, you <laughs> because just you galaxy know. brain shit. Yeah, exactly. Because and, and like I have no doubt that Ojito knew that it would work because yeah. like he uh, you know he he had to get the read obviously, but yeah. like. Like, that's the most fun thing about fighting games is, like, sometimes you just do the worst option because you know that nobody would expect you to do it. Right, exactly. Because, he like, it's understanding that Lamp is operating on level 7, level 8, level 9, and not level 1, but level 0 beats that. <laughs> and Ojito just goes, right, level level 0 it is. Right, Let's you go. wrap all the way around. You just... <laughs> there was yeah, a, exactly. Oh, I forgot who the tweet was from. Um, but there was, like, Evo's great because you get to watch the best players of every single game 
you know, play at their most top tier, and then sometimes they just do a wake up support. Sometimes they yeah, just do yeah, the exactly. dumbest thing that you could possibly do, just like you would. And because it's happening on this stage with like all of these people watching, and yeah, like quite a lot of money on the line, it's fucking hype as hell when people do that stupid <laughs> yeah. shit and it works. It's incredible. Because you know that will in if I if I do it to you, you know, just while we're playing, you're like, ah, oh, you got me. But like in that situation, that might shred your nerves. That might completely destroy you because yeah, you like, got hit well, by well, that. You well, know? Now anything's possible. They could just be doing anything. They could push any button. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it really gets at the heart of what is good about fighting games because like you could like you could have beaten that, but you can't beat everything. You have to choose what your options beat. And like those decisions, really, like it's, uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic to watch. I really recommend watching this top eight. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. So, moving on. <laughs> moving on. I think we're say. gonna just talk briefly about Tekken. Um, I don't think either of us had the time to actually watch Tekken this time, but I just want to say that Tekken has been amazingly increasing in like hype and excitement. Four years. This is yeah, one that yeah, came we, out in arcades in 2014. Mm, yeah, right, exactly. And as, as I was saying before, it's one of those games that has just continued to grow. Like, this year's EVO was 1,800 players or something? It was a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of players yeah. for Tekken this year. It was more than more than Street Fighter V, I believe. Yeah. Um, I think. Which doesn't happen, I believe. The lead-up to EVO also has been pretty exciting with a bunch of, like, weird, really incredible tournament wins um um yeah so like earlier this year um uh what was his name there, there was a player uh was it as in wait the, the tekken world tour winner yeah, the second world tour. i think it was rangchu one with Rang theirs Chu, in tekken world tour yeah that was uh one with, that was something <laughs> one with panda one of like the widely agreed upon like again yeah considered to be game. basically a joke character but no yeah won the tekken world tour because just no against like Devil Jin, like one of the yep. like most like mo most powerful like has tons of tools. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so Devil Jin was that? I I can't remember. Was that Q Dance? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Tekken World Tour Rangchu. It just nobody knew how to fight against Panda. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was last year's Tekken World Tour, and it was it was hype. It was hype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, there was that. Um. Yeah, to it was, the point it was where Harada, the producer on this series, came up on stage and was like, Panda? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this, this, you know, as if it being Tekken World Tour didn't, like, clue you in. Like, the, the guy who came second, the, so his opponent in the finals, this guy Q-Dance, he's like, he's been playing Tekken for a long time. Like... A long, long time. In fact, his, uh, his Liquipedia wiki page seems <laughs> to suggest... He has been playing since the very first Tekken. Yeah. And you can you can beat this person in the Tekken World Tour with Yeah, he was a relatively newcomer <laughs> too. Uh, yeah, I actually don't know much about Rangju. Yeah, like relative to like, you know, the extensive history. Right, yeah, relative like, to Q-Dance, like, yeah. Pretty... Yeah, Rangju is 26, apparently. Rangju is 26 years old. Yeah, so, and yeah. then similar Te on and that... And Tekken is an old game. <laughs> like... Yeah. With really weird technical things that have been stuck in there for a long time. That they just yeah, can't get rid yeah. of now. Um, and like to kind of follow that up, um, Nii, who is like one of the top players of Tekken, made it to grand finals with Arslan, who is a Pakistani player who mm. um, has been kind of building a name for himself. But because he's in sort of like uh, 
a region that's kind of remote to like the big hubs of Tekken, which is like, yeah, uh, I yeah. guess like Japan, Korea, and uh, America. He's had like a little bit, you know, he hasn't been able to go to the tournaments as much and yeah, you know, yeah. play those top players. Um, but regardless of that, Arslan still beat Ni, one of the top players and cons- one of the most consistent players mm-hmm. um, in Tekken. Uh, oh, who they were playing? I think it was. Uh, what's the uh, the Japanese Heiachi's, um wife? Oh, uh, is that is that Kazumi? Kazumi, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she, he was playing Kazumi, you know, the person who hires Akuma to kill Hayashi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just canon in uh, yeah. the Tekken lore. She's got Akuma like, is just a character in Tekken now. She's lore. got like a tiger uppercut, but not like yeah, a tiger with, uppercut. With a tiger, like, yeah. <laughs> like, tiger, yeah. yeah, you do a jumping uppercut and a tiger comes out. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, really great. Um, you can see that Arslan was just overwhelmed. And literally gets down on his knees and takes up the praying position, like the Muslim Hell praying yeah. position. That's that good shit you want to um, see on the evening very, stage. You know, just completely overwhelmed and grateful. Hell yeah. Fighting games is something so great. Yeah. It's, it's re- it was really incredible to see. Yeah, it was awesome. And this is, a, this is something, like you mentioned that it, like, uh, you know, if you're... Uh, like if you're in Pakistan or one of these other like uh, sort of, I guess l- these like deprioritized areas for big fighting game communities, it's awesome to see success coming from those kinds of places, right? Like we saw this a lot of this narrative last year with uh, the Dominican Republic and Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Like we've got because of these, I, it's like a sort of a sign of I guess sort of more effective uh, community outreach programs that we're getting from these big, you know. Uh, America-centric or Japan-centric esports initiatives because like with some uh, elements of Street Fighter's Capcom Pro Tour or in this case the Tekken World Tour like the Tekken World Tour is actually a pretty fantastic system for getting people from these other places involved Mm -hmm. because um, uh, the particulars of the Tekken World Tour dojo which I have had to (laughs) become intimately familiar with as a tournament (laughs) organizer is that uh, so you need points to qualify for the Tekken World Tour finals, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And to get those points, uh, you can either win these Tekken World Tour premier events, your big events, your Evos, your combo breakers, your CEOs yeah. or whatever. But as long as you do it through Smash.gg, you can have, uh, as long as there are 16 players for any Tekken event ever, it becomes a Tekken World Tour dojo event. And <laughs> what that means is that... Uh, you have, if you win that, if you win your 16-player Tekken World Tour Dojo event, you have a Tekken World Tour Dojo 16 point for your Tekken World Tour career mm-hmm. for that season, I guess. And there's another one at 32, another one at 64. I think there might be another one at 96 or something. Yeah. But the three biggest Tekken World Tour Dojos you've been to, uh, they are part of your Tekken World Tour finish. So what that means is that... Uh, you get huge players coming to these events because they need the big dojo finishes to actually make it to the Tekken World Tour. And what that basically means is everybody wins. People in like uh, dedicated but not officially supported Tekken communities can become part of this international tour. That means that people like you get community events that are so big in the dojo that people actually fly out to them to to round out their Tekken World Tour 
season finishes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you just you basically you grow an international fighting game community. I think it's really impressive that they've done this. I yeah. think everyone should do it. Capcom, please make a dojo system for next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're kind of we're kind of steadily getting to the point where they're recognizing the international appeal of this stuff and really yeah, fostering yeah. that community. And I think right, that, exactly. that specifically has helped Tekken a lot. For sure, for sure. Like is, you look there's, at the there's fact no that... reason a game that's like what five years old at this point, yeah, should yeah. be growing this much. But it is. Everybody loves Tekken, and you know, and people are excited excited for the next season of Tekken still. Yeah, yeah. They they previewed that new character at the Evo Finals. It looked awesome. It looked yeah, fantastic. We'll get it. We'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah. It's, oh yeah, yeah. People are excited about, about this. Yeah. And you know, I'm so I'm so happy to see people like Arslan like win and yeah. prove that like other characters yeah, can do that. And it's like it's amazing to like I don't know. Like a lot of my timeline was like just very happy to see a Muslim player on yeah, the stage. That's cool. And just like uh, so openly, you know, having this great show of face after such like an emotional moment. And it, yeah, it, it's yeah. like really one of those beautiful moments that comes out of yeah, like it was, big events. It was like really this. good. It was really good. And speaking of beautiful moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. We had the uh, the Dragon Ball the Dragon Ball Fighters final, which uh, so I didn't watch the whole top eight, but I watched the uh the winners, losers and grand finals matches. Yeah. And uh it it was it was fantastic because so uh this is Dragon Ball Fighters second year at Evo, right? Yeah. I think so, yes. Yeah, so that's Dragon Ball Fighters second year at Evo. Uh, so for the first year at Evo, it was a big marquee title. Everyone was excited to see how it played, and it was it was real hype. We had the crowd yelling along with Cell, all of that kind of thing. We also had thirty Bardock level threes, but you know <laughs> details. Uh, there's definitely a uh, strong <laughs> set of tears in this game. Let's say. Yeah, but anyway, the the point was that so last year uh, it was a huge tournament, like two point five k players. That's a lot. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, and uh, Sonic Fox ended up winning with his uh, Bardock Zamas and uh, Android Sixteen team, right? So Sonic Fox was looking to to win again this year. You know, he's this fantastic, uh, just extremely dominant fighting game player. He uh, is great at Mortal Kombat as well, a bunch a bunch of other games, and uh, so he was looking to win again this year. Meanwhile, you also have yeah. Goichi, who is again widely considered to be the, the it's between him and sonic fox for the best dragon ball fighters player yeah and they've kind of traded wins between tournaments back and forth yeah right exactly like the the even though like we've you've had lots of other strong players like kazunoko like fenrich like all of these other people it's really been goichi and sonic fox who have been the center of the narrative right uh yeah so you have sonic fox who's this he's this ridiculously like uh offensive and like frenetic player like people uh people talk in hushed tones about his mix-ups and you know his aggressive <laughs> and stuff and you have no, goichi who is this very very powerful defensive player uh he comes from playing melty blood which is a game where you have to block a lot and he's fantastic at it like so fantastic that the developers talked about the fact that they designed uh characters specifically with whether their mix-ups could open him up in mind <laughs> or that kind of thing yeah was it last year that they just had that clip of him just blocking for like 20 seconds there are a lot of clips of that out there. Yeah, that's fair. Because <laughs> yeah. like, uh, so yeah, because even though you have these other very high level players like Fenrich and Kazunoko, uh, Apology Man, uh, Hook Gang God, and that kind of thing, the narrative around Dragon Ball Fighters is always centered on Sonic Fox and Goichi because they have this sort of yin and yang, easy, uh, you know, discussion to 
the sell. It's an it's an easy story to tell, right? Right. The offensive player, you know, the defensive player versus the defensive player. Right. Exactly. It's a very easy, unstoppable force, immovable object right, thing exactly. to talk about. And uh, so they trade wins for a real long time, and then at Evo last year, Sonic Fox wins, and then at the tech, uh, not the Tekken World Tour, at the Dragon Ball Fighters World Tour, actually Kazunoko wins, surprising everyone. Uh, but actually, he, but his he he was like he was very dominant up until that, like he was mm. he was doing extremely well. Like uh, I I really like watching Kazunoko play, so I really wanted him to win, so I was happy he did. But uh, and so they meet in the finals of Evo this year, and uh, you have this really really intense match, like ridiculously so to the point that um, there's this one there's this one moment where it's like you described, like uh, he blocks for a, you know. You could you could call it he blocks for a really long time, but like Sonic Fox sparks up, he gets access to this uh, a bunch of like character buffs and you know limited time uh, benefits, and he he like he just goes straight at Goichi. He's relentless. He he hides him, he loathes him, uh, he tries to throw him, and all of that stuff. And Goichi mm-hmm. just blocks it out. He just waits, and he he blocks the highs, he blocks the lows, and it's so tense because at any second he could get opened up and die. But he just doesn't. He just blocks it all the way out yep. and catches a tiny little punish on Sonic Fox to kill him. And it was so... It was like my heart was in my mouth just watching it. Yeah, and you can kind of see the history between these two. Because at some yeah, point, absolutely. it felt like Sonic Fox was stealing Goichi's technique. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. And like returning yeah, absolutely. the same like level of blocking from him. Yeah, it was some real. It was some real Dragon Ball Z shit. That's the kind of stuff you want. Yeah, it was literally game, some right? anime shit happening on that stage. Yeah, it was, it was real good. And uh, and so you, it was so emotional this match that uh, and you know it's like it's a huge tournament right it's not uh, two thousand five hundred like last year but it is you know a solid like fifteen eighteen hundred people or something and like and also you have the fact that the players have leveled up so much since last year's Evo that it's an entirely different tournament to win right. And when he won it, uh, Goichi actually like you know he breaks down and starts crying and Sonic Fox like you know gives him a hug and it's great because these people you know they've been they meet in the finals of so many tournaments they see each other so often that they're just real good friends now and it's it's a real positive fight and energy that we love on this podcast he he breaks down right away right there on the spot and just sonic fox hugs him and raises his hand up into the sky and is just like so happy for him and the commentators are just like wow i can't believe like sonic fox can still have a smile on his face after that but because he'd been like I think he was in winners, um, which he lost, and then he had to go to losers and then come back. And they were he was just playing like three games in a row between different people to get up to this point. But it was like so amazing to see him not like just be so happy for his opponent. Yeah, it's a thing that uh, is a thing that like people often remark on about Sonic Fox's composure is that he'll do like some like wild shit will happen like he will do some uh some some super powerful stuff or something you know terrible will happen to him and he'll just laugh it off and keep playing it's like it's one of the the things that is probably like crucial to him being as good as he is is that he can maintain a like positive demeanor while still being one of the best players in the world yeah like uh his tweet last year was like i'm gay and i'm the best dragon ball fighters player yeah right exactly and this year he's like I'm gay and I'm the second best Dragon Ball Fighters player. In the <laughs> yeah, world. exactly. It's a it's a really good bit, and I'm I'm glad he keeps doing. Yeah, it. and and we we just kept seeing like more positive tweets of um, Goichi and Sonic Fox after the tournament, just hanging out. Yeah, and, like, yeah, it's awesome. Like every together. every 
it's like the most beautiful <laughs> shonen anime rivalry to exist. Yeah, right, like, exactly. Like like any good shonen anime protagonist, every time Sonic Fox takes a big lump, he's just like, I'll get him next time. I'm, I'm going to work yeah. really hard to get him next it's time. It's not over. It's like, yeah, it's not over. It's never over. We're just going to keep getting better and pushing each other again and again. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great for that game and it's great for us watching it. So it's awesome. So uh, Street Fighter? Talk right. about Street Fighter 5? Street Fighter. Street Fighter 5. Um, did you watch a lot of this? I did. I watched all of the, the Street Fighter Top 8, but it was, uh, it was early in the morning. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I maybe don't remember that much of it. But uh, the, the story coming into Street Fighter 5 this year was we've had a season where uh, it's been dominated by people. Uh, it's like, I guess it's been dominated by people like Punk and Bon Chan, who have been playing Karen, basically. So the the oh, the big again. like the big names in the game have been Karen, Rashid, Zeku, and is that it? Uh, there, there are probably some more that I can't think of right now. But like we've had a uh, <laughs> three out of five, right? So I was saying that the the big characters coming into this have been. Oh yeah, so I was saying that as the game has got on a bit people are you know people, it's I, I hesitate to use the word solved but people certainly know more about the game like it's uh it's it's tighter now you have to win on tighter margins so mm-hmm. the players who've been doing well the punks the bonchans of the world are very good at giving you a rope and watching you hang yourself with it like they'll push you into a corner and they'll stand like at a very tempting range for you to try and throw them or do a low kick and they'll step just outside and kill you for it and that kind of thing happened all over this topic it was it was it was brutal it's brutal to watch someone get murderized by particularly karen who can hit with like a little low medium kick and then do a big confirm into a super and you just die because that super does (laughs) a bunch of damage and uh yeah so but um so the top eight was really cool because uh, my boy Infectious from the UK, he, uh, he, he went really deep. We were super close to <laughs> UK, defending UK champions of uh, Street Fighter V Evo after Problem X won it last year. Yep. Uh, if, you're ever, like, if you're interested in watching Street Fighter play, definitely watch, uh, watch Infectious play. Because he's, he's a fantastic player and he, like, uh, he, he has a, a real, like, Terminator face on when he plays. He, he, he displays no emotion whatsoever. And he went really deep. He was doing really well. And he just got edged out. And instead we had uh, Big Bird and Bonchan in the final. So Big Bird on Rashid and Bonchan on Karin, right? Yeah. Big Bird, uh, interestingly, from, I believe, the United Arab Emirates. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, you know, an actual Arab player playing an Arab character, which was dope. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Especially yeah. for me, particularly. Yeah, it's great. It's as I also play Rashid. Again, like, for him. <laughs> as we, as we may go into later, the FTC has a, a you know it has a lot of problems, but it is it is international. There, there are a lot of you know at, at at some level there are a lot of people from a lot of different places in the FTC, and it's great to see them on stage at Evo. Yep. Bonchan, of course, being a a Japanese player, the Japanese are sort of uh, widely regarded as a. Uh, uh, very skilled in Street Fighter, and you know, among other fighting games as well. But uh, yeah, Street they, Fighter in particular, they have a long history of winning at Evo. So you know, they've got that arcade scene, and that really helps with building up, you know, local tournaments and getting real life experience. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he kind of just uh, runs over him. Uh, Big Bird kind of right, runs over yeah. with just perfects. 
again. Yeah, Rashid's, uh, Rashid is this character who exemplifies this absolutely hyper-aggression at, at a high level in Street Fighter V. Like, he, he's just... It's so hard to, uh, to like, weather the storm of, of Rashid's offense. Yeah. Uh, one of the infamous tools Rashid has is he has this move called Spinning Mixer, where he can run at you and go in, like, three different um, angles as he spins into, like, a little tornado. And what he can do is, if he has um, resources, like, meter to spend, he can do a spinning mixer, and then he can do what's called an EX spinning mixer, which starts up really fast and does, like, a lot of damage. Um, so basically the thing is, you block the <laughs> the first mixer, you think you're safe, It's time you press a button to retaliate, and then instantly starts off... <laughs> With a stronger version of it, which is the actual hit that you know yep. gets you the damage. It's it's pretty it's pretty pretty oppressive, and like being able to it's 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 one of the great things about watching this game is it's watching people you know either you're this uh, hyper aggressive you can be this like hyper aggressive player who you know rushes in and makes your opponent like guess a bunch and watching the people who are playing these sort of more neutral like whiff punishy characters navigate that offense is really really thrilling to watch. Which is exactly what happens, and uh, after that perfect big burn gets gets um, perfected twice, I think. Yeah, he gets he gets absolutely stomped. I think the uh, the thing that I remember most like most about this uh, this this match is it came like right down to the wire, like very much a, a yes for the game scenario, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Rashid has this option. I think it's is it Eagle Spike where he yes. lunges across the screen with his foot and it yep. like you know does a bunch of damage, gets some really good Oki, like that kind of thing. And uh, Onchan beat it to win the get like to to lethally win the game with yeah. jump back medium kick. Like <laughs> that's a that's an absolutely bizarre decision, but it worked perfectly again. Yeah, Onchan's on like that... game points. Um... Big Bird does the V-Trigger, which basically sends out this huge tornado yeah, that slowly tornado, travels across yeah. the screen. You can't jump over it. Um, and does a eagle spike from across the room. <laughs> yeah, and spiking through the tornado makes the spike better. It makes it faster. It makes it more plus on block, that kind of thing. It's like There's unreactable almost. Yeah. But he, re- uh, he does the reading. He jumps back. <laughs> yep, jumps back and presses medium kick. Gets the kill. Wins Evo. Hell yeah, baby. Fighting games. Yep. <laughs> It's awesome. It's very cool. Yeah, it was just pretty exciting. Uh, oh, and the uh, the headline was because uh, he Bonchan wins. He stands up. Everyone starts cheering, and then the big big screen <laughs> says, "Congratulations, Evo champion, infectious." infectious. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's so funny. Uh, and everyone's like, "Congratulations, infectious, for winning Evo." <laughs> It was really good. Like the to, the staff were really professional. They were like, "Let's just not pay any attention to that." Congratulations, Bond Chan. But it, it was pretty funny. It's incredible. Uh, with that, I think we should move on to the exciting announcements for the future. And let me tell you, buddy, there were a lot. <laughs> okay, so I think yours, your uh, big headliner for you personally was New Guilty Gear. Yeah, new Guilty Gear. Uh, we had, I, I don't know, some of us had kind of given up on hearing about a new Guilty Gear this year, maybe thinking it would come next year or something, that they were still doing it in the tank. But it was between... Uh, was it like between Sam Show and Techno or something? It was between two completely unrelated games. 
Arc System Works tweeted that you know you better you want. I think it was. I think attention. I remember it being after Tekken. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it would have been after Tekken because I went to bed. I remember that Tekken went on too long for me to stay up and watch it. So I didn't. And then after Tekken, we had this. You know, Tekken put out a trailer for their cool new character, and uh, and then we had the the Arc System Works guitar sting. You know, the the you know the intro that they have for all of their games, and uh, fucking. It's a new Guilty Gear, like a brand new one with a new engine and a new everything. So it's running on Unreal Engine 4. All of the, pre like, if you can imagine this, uh, all of Arc System Works' previous best looking games ever made were not even running on Unreal Engine 4. That was an Unreal Engine 3 thing. Yeah. And so they're now with, you know, their, uh, I guess their contract developer money, they're upgrading to UE4. And let me tell you, that game looks. Uh, really quite good <laughs> it's it's I, I it's amazing that they've uh you know you make the best looking game in the world and then you make two of two more like even better looking ones and then for your next the best looking game in the world you make it look even better beating yourself for the record so yeah it's uh they very much have been refining their technique of making specifically like anime styled fighters that right, look exactly. 2d yeah, yeah. Because of the way that they're animated with the freezes on specific frames and yeah, um, yeah. avoiding like the tweening that usually happens in 3D games for yeah. like strong poses. And they just kind of refined it more and it's like, wow, I can't believe I'm watching anime right now. I know, right? It look it looks absolutely fantastic. So we have uh and so far we just have uh Soul Bad Guy and Kai Kiske, the uh the the Ryu and Ken of the series or the, you know, the the Terry and the other guy from King of Fighters and yeah. uh Andy, uh, they look fantastic. <laughs> Kai, Kai now has like his short hair back from the the older Guilty Gear games, but he's also like uh, his outfit is stylized to show off that he's fucking I don't know. He's instead of being a sort of weird nerd dad like he was in Exert, he's like he's like a, he's like hot now. It's it's kind yeah. of just, it's distressing it's how weird. hot he looks now. But yeah. uh, and then so we have those two characters and they they fight. It looks cool as hell. And and then we have this other character who nobody knows much of anything about. Who's this like? He's this is this awesome looking black samurai dude, uh, and the camera like cuts around so so you look at his face and he gets this sort of Dead Space Two style unfoldable helmet thing on his yeah. face. He looks very the, much like a Metal Gear Rising character. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He does. You're right. I didn't even like a that. boss yeah, from Rising shows does. up and everyone's like, "Yo!" Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so. Everyone was hollering. I was hollering. It looks awesome. I can't wait. Guilty Gear. And it's coming out in 2020. 2020. That's so soon. I was expecting at least another year before a new Guilty Gear. Yeah. Um, to go along with that, there's a lot of hype for Season 3 of Tekken. Hell they yeah. are bringing back Zafina, which I am personally happy about because she is like an Egyptian uh, fighter. Uh, oh, it's, right, okay. it's one of those weird things where she's like doing like ancient Egyptian martial arts or whatever. That's cool. Bullshit I, I don't know anything about Safina, so that's, that's awesome. Um, she showed up with like some shit happened between, uh, I think it was Tekken 6 she was last in. Um, whatever happened between then and now, she has like, she feels like she's been possessed by like the Soul Edge from Soul Calibur. She's yeah. got this nightmare arm now that she can grab oh, okay, people right. with. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, I remember this now. Yeah, yeah. It was just, like dark disturbing energy around her um pretty cool glad to see that they announced a new character named leroy named leroy he looks leroy. fucking awesome yeah i described him as everyone's black martial arts film loving uncle <laughs> yeah he's like he's like uh he, he's got a sort of um uh he's got the energy of one of the uh the twins from the matrix reloaded yeah but like 
cool you know we're cool <laughs> yeah if those guys weren't just like huge nerds but were actually yeah really i mean cool. he is like obviously a huge nerd yeah yeah but this you man know, shows up in cool. shades i think he's a blind <laughs> a fighter and he's yeah. got the like whole martial arts outfit showing up um yeah. Yeah, I legitimately tweeted that he's like everybody's black martial arts film loving uncle. Yeah, and yeah. Austin Walker replied to me like, "I was legit gonna make this tweet, but with my <laughs> uncle." <in it." laughs> yeah, like which was perfect. Very, yeah, uh... just like every black person I've been talking about who's seen this been like, "Oh man, they did it." <laughs> there were people, there were black people on Twitter inviting Harada to a cookout, and he's like, "Yo, what is a cookout?" And they were like. Yo, it means you were here for an exclusive barbecue. Come over. And then he, they showed him some picture. And he's like, oh, every piece of meat here is four times as big as it is in Japan. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's also, he's got this, uh, you know, the sort of pressure point force palms centric uh, fighting style. Like, it, it looks really cool. I'm, I'm excited to see this character. And it's cool because, like, we were all expecting a, uh, you know, a, a guest character like Tekken has been famous for announcing for so far. Um, but like this character isn't a guest character. But he still looks really cool. People are still really hyped about it. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, and as far as guest characters, they are adding um, for Soul Calibur 6, they're actually adding a new guest character, which is Haomaru from uh, Samurai Showdown. Oh, yeah, that guy. Which is really funny because uh, there's already <laughs> Mitsurugi in the game. Yeah, yeah. They're both based on... Um, Ah, what's his name? Why is it disappearing? Which? Who? Musashi. Musashi Miyamoto. Oh, okay, is that it? Right. Wait, who, who? From what? Uh, the historical figure. Oh, right. Sure. I, I guess. I mean, I guess these, these for me, these characters, uh, they... Miyamoto they, Musashi, yeah. Yeah. They evoke, so, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Toshiro Mifune from the Kurosawa movies, but I guess his portrayal is based on yeah Mio, miyamoto uh musashi is yeah. like this very legendary samurai right, historical right. samurai and there's like uh the same way there's like a fake bruce lee in every right, <laughs> fighting yeah, game yeah. there's a fake musashi in every fighting game and yeah. it's just really funny to add the other in weapon yeah yeah the <laughs> other weapon based fighting i keep i kept thinking he was called hyakumaru but that's right, because of yeah. uh, uh, the Dororo anime and yeah, series yeah. has been on my mind. And man, what if they added Yakimaru? <laughs> that would be so dope. The man has swords in his arms. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was really funny. I'm interested to see how they differentiate him from uh <laughs> um what's his face? Uh why is my brain just Mitsurugi? Or... Mitsurugi, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll just give him the fireball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. So, uh, Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle had four new characters. So, one of them was some gross Senran Kagura character. Ew, why did you do that? Uh, Senran Kagura being the, like, really gross. It's like, oh, this would be cute. If It's like cute ninja girls hanging out and fighting, except that they're all underage and yeah they're all they're all fucking school kids the and their camera is really creepily it sucks yeah it's fucking oh my god uh Don't yeah that's in children. there now Come on. cool yeah so ignore ignoring that we also got uh every undernight player's terrible adopted son akatsuki from akatsuki blitz camp the nazi is, fighting uh, game <laughs> Yeah, the Nazi fighting game, which occupies a very peculiar space in pop culture. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody on Twitter felt the need to explain. Uh, yeah, he's not a Nazi. He's an Imperial Japanese Captain America. Which is maybe the worst way that you could read Akatsuki Blitzkamp. <laughs> yeah. But not only 
Not only did they add Akatsuki Blitz, Akatsuki from Akatsuki Blitz Camp, but they also added Blitz Tank, the Nazi <laughs> Skull Tank. What, yeah, why? It's just a big fucking Nazi tank, and it's just got a big skull face on the front of it. Yeah, um, shoots lasers, has I, a flamethrower, can still I, jump and throw. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I think the lore says that they might be people who got Maybe. turned into tanks. I mean, I played, I played. Probably more Akatsuki Blitz Camp than anyone needs to, and I I didn't didn't get it. So <laughs> it's just, Blitz Tank is just there, you know. He just he's just there. And yeah, uh, the big meme this thing. is this is a character who this is a game that contains Iron Tager from Blaze Blue and Waldstein from Undernight. These are big guys, and let me tell you, Blitz Tank makes them look small. He takes up his half of the screen. <laughs> yes, God, it's like. Uh, what, like, I guess like the only comparable thing is like the Giants from Tatsunoko versus Capcom. Yeah, it's almost that big, actually. But you, yeah. you can play him and also, I don't know, fucking... <laughs> you can have a tag... Having that on screen while all the tag assists are happening at the same time. Even better, you can be playing as, you know, an ordinary wayfish teen and then just press a button and just yeet a tank at them because that's your <laughs> assist. Like, <laughs> Yeah, sure, okay. Um... And they also added Neapolitan, another Ruby character. Finally, they made me wait for a, over a year to add another <laughs> Ruby character to this game, and they finally did it. They're fucking cowards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and four, four, five more characters to come? Four more characters to come? Yeah, I guess. They had like a yeah. big grid showing, like, yeah, there's yeah. still a lot of spots open. Yep. So yeah, and that's that's part of the uh, the Blaze Blue Cross Type Battle version two update. So they're changing a bunch of stuff about the system. They're changing the UI. You know, it's a, it's a very much a new version, and it has Arcade. a new season yeah. of DLC to come with it. Street Fighter Arcade Edition. Yeah, exactly. Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle Blitz Tank Edition. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, they added the Nazis and they added the underage schoolgirls. Yeah. That's. <laughs> Video uh, games might be bad, folks. Yeah, they might be. Street Fighter V got some new characters. It did, uh, and it was a big shame because they were leaked. Uh, the person who the the, the person working Steam at Steam, them. yeah, the person working at Steam who uploaded the trailer to the uh, Street Fighter V page and then was going to untick uh, private as soon as the announcement happened, didn't tick private, so they yeah. just uploaded the trailer cool. to the Steam page two days before Evo. So we yeah. all knew that they were going to be adding E Honda, a new character called. Lucia. Uh, Lucia, yeah, thank you. Lucia and Poison, um, who everyone yeah. loves. Those last two are from Final Fight. Uh, Poison previously yeah. showed up in Street, Street Fighter, Fighter Cross 4. Tekken yeah. and, and Street Fighter 4. Ultra yeah. Street Fighter 4, yeah. But she got a new playstyle um, before she used to have like fireballs that she could shoot out of like a riding crop. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, said she, they just gave her the whip. Now she just has the whip, yeah. And, yeah. you know, she's cool. She looks cool. She's like, uh, all, all these characters look super fun. I haven't actually had a chance to play with them yet, but some friends of mine have, you know, showed me some footage of them and that they look cool. Yeah, I've enjoyed playing Poison. Um, I didn't play Lucia because she's a fucking cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck the police. I'm like, there's enough, there's enough cops in Street Fighter. I gather she has a, like, a New Yorker accent. Like, she talks she about She absolutely coffee. does have the New Yorker accent. Excellent. I love that. It's good. Yeah, you know, her and uh, the. The garbage boy mayor Cody are now in. They're, they yeah, added a lot yeah. of Final Fight representation in yeah. Street Fighter Five. When's Hagar? When's Mayor Hagar? When's Hagar? They're not going to put Hagar in. He's no, too close gonna... still. He's too close. Having to other grapplers, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. He was fun in Marvel. 
It's fine. Like, Abigail was like adding two grapplers to the game at God, once. So it's fine. <laughs> Still have nightmares about Abigail playing online. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on. <laughs> okay, well, in that case, if you want to move on, they added a fucking. There's a new Undernight coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, Shoutouts to Claire Lamp. <laughs> yeah, for your being new so version crazy. named Name after you. Version after him, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Undernight in birth, exe late dot c. CL dash R. CL dash R. Uniclear, as we're going to call Uniclear. it. Uniclear. Uh, Sounds like a bad water bottle brand. Yeah, pretty much. But it's got it's got new moves, it's got balance changes, and at least one new character who is a boy who does ice, uh, and he joins the, uh, the the Tradcath Knights along with Wagner and Aurier, and he's got, he's got ice stuff. I don't know what any of that means. You're don't worry, have to explain you to will me next, next, next the lore week. next time. <laughs> <laughs> next time, I'll, uh, we'll learn about the the, the, the Tradcath Knights. But uh, for now, all you need to know is that there is a cool Ice Boy coming to Undernight, a new Undernight version coming out, and that's early next year. And I'm super fucking psyched for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, last great. thing for the big Evo tournament stuff, Smash Ultimate was the final game this year. Uh, we don't really know that much about Smash. I think the bigger headline was that... MK um, Leo won. He wins a lot. He won. Yeah. The big headline is that all the pl Smash players left early yep. before the event ended. Usually there's this clip from a martial arts fighting game. Fighting game. Oh, my God. Wow. Fighting, if there was a, a, a Rikio fighting yeah. game, that would be awesome. But, yeah. Uh, martial, a famous clip from a martial arts film. Uh where a dude punches the door to a prison open and says, you are all free, which is a Team Spooky tradition. Yeah. Team Spooky being a really prominent streaming um, group, uh, you know, led by Spooky, who had some back and forth to win, you know, uh, Evo. Their team is, you know, now the one who runs Evo. Yeah, if, you, if you've finals. watched the stream of almost any fighting game other than street fighter 5 in the last year chances are it was it, one of them at least one of them was run by team spooky like spooky yep. works super hard and shout outs to spooky he's yeah a, he's yeah. a he's a big melty blood rapper so yep but, um, so they usually play that clip at the end it's like you're all free you are that's all it free there's nothing now. yeah there's there's no more on the stream, go home. <laughs> Smash players all left, they left before they that because they did so not had, know about it. Yeah, you had all of these like uh, Street Fighter Five and Tekken players who were sticking out to to watch Smash to see what it was like, and they were tweeting like with 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 venom that the Smash players were leaving <laughs> before being told they were all free. <laughs> and all I have to say is that Smash players are already free. Well, they're already free. They came in free. They're and they're, they're leaving free. Their their souls are not weighed down by gravity. Okay? So, <laughs> They're on the they next level. All their the new types. All their characters have double jumps. Okay, like they got they got float cancels. They're already free. It's They're fine. already free. They don't need it. Shout out to Smash <laughs> Ultimate. Yeah, cool video game. A cool we'll probably video. do an episode about it at some point. At some point, yeah. But okay, like everything else, Evo is not all smiles. There's some yeah. bad shit in the FGC, and it's time to talk about it. Yeah, so we are going to be talking about some of the really heinous, bad parts of EVO and by extension stuff that's happening in the FGC. Um, this is going to carry a content warning for talk about abuse, racism, misogyny, uh, sexual assault. So 
you know, if you're if you really just don't want to get into it, if if you really you know find that stuff you know makes you upset, I would definitely skip ahead to our main game for this chat. Uh, you know, that's not a problem. We yeah. just I'll uh, I'll time code this. I'll I'll put in a time code when I when I edit this, so you know when to skip it. Yeah, we just didn't feel it was right to you know talk excitedly about Evo for like an hour and not bring up you know the kind of bad stuff that you know really brings down the community and the excitement around you know the, what's been mostly positive uh, a mostly positive event. So, so before Evo even started, we had announcements of a women in the FGC panel. Yes. With the uh, the combo queens, which is a, a group of like high profile uh, women advocates for the FTC. Mm -hmm. So you know, pretty standard um, diversity kind of panel talking about you know the issues with kind of the community, what we can do to foster a better community, and um, kind of you know the contributions that women have made. And you know what we can do to kind of make it a better space. And um... yeah, this uh, this panel is uh, it's archived on Cross Counter TV's Twitch channel. So if you haven't mm -hmm. seen it, I'd absolutely recommend watching it because it's it's really illuminating, it's really interesting, and uh, it's 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 good stuff. Like it's got uh, it's got Ricky Ortiz and uh, Sherry Nan among some other like fighting mm -hmm. game people, and it's it's really good. It's really good to really good to watch. Yeah, um, and then you know you get kind of the like before like. It even started, like, you get these head-ass reactions from these fucking people who are... There's, like, this very <laughs> strong attitude in the FGC that, like, the only thing that matters is how you play and you will be accepted. Yeah, right. Like, and it's just, it's just not fucking you, true. <laughs> yeah, if somebody treats you like shit, well, get better and body them, and then they'll respect you. And it's not true. Not it only really is ignores... it not true, but it's, like, it's completely fucking irrelevant, right? Like, how? why should yeah. how good someone is at fighting games dictate whether they're treated like a person or not? Yeah, they have this very, like, I guess, like, bootstrap mentality. Right, Like, you exactly, can come up exactly. for anything, and, like, anybody can be successful. And, like, there is amazing stuff with, like, you know, how we talked earlier about how international the space is and how diverse yeah. it is. But it's diverse, but it's not inclusive, right? Right, exactly, exactly. That's a very good way of putting it. Everybody attends, but not everybody feels welcome and safe. Yes. And the attitude of, like, anybody can make it really just hides a lot of that shit absolutely absolutely like for as long as you have like you know people can say like oh you just need to you just need to be good enough and you'll uh you, you'll you'll get you'll be, accepted you know people will respect right. you for how good you are like people like for example ricky ortiz people like guilty are easily in the top one percent top 0.1 percent of uh street fighter players probably like even a tighter margin and yet the second they get on stream at any big event that doesn't have you know the like super locked down moderation the chat is just hell just a cesspit of abject garbage and like you can you can make the argument that those people don't represent the fgc they don't make up the people who come to events but like they are a part of your community and you need to like you know you need to be able to address that element of the kind of thought that pervades your game particularly when yeah you know the kinds of people who are big in the scene people like you know, people like Mike Ross, people like Gutex are huge on these places like uh, Kappa, uh, the real FGC subreddit, which is basically just fucking the word, yeah, transphobic like, yeah, like, and shit. Yeah, the talk around this stuff really just brought 
to the surface a lot of the stuff that just kind of boils underneath that people pretend right, exactly. like like you said they're like oh these people don't represent us but like you got to see what people actually think and what they actually think is some real ignorant backwards yeah, shit some real garbage shit and like it's it's not like you can you can't explain away those things as rogue elements of your community when huge uh huge like representatives for the FGC are like bad like uh yeah fucking... so i was i was gonna start with uh the samurai showdown final right oh fuck yeah go ahead so like the easiest example that you can point to of the fgc not being able to cut out you know negative elements is that we didn't talk about it because we were we we're pretty disgusted by it but like the winner of this year's samurai showdown bracket was infiltration who was at the center of a pretty intense uh like legal situation earlier this year where mm -hmm. uh he was he was taken to he was taken to domestic court and it, it accused of like abusing his spouse at the time in a a, a uh an altercation which uh led his spa his sponsor panda global to drop him and for him to basically vanish for a yeah, short he got dropped time from the capcom the capcom yeah, right. he got banned from next year's capcom cup and, and that kind of thing but Evo didn't do fucking anything. They just let him come right back because right. you know, so they reasoned, it was, I guess, that he was bankable or something. Yeah, so there's like a lot of people treat it like, oh, it doesn't matter like what kind of person they are. You know, if they're good, it's like you respect them as a player and what they can do and like admire them for their skill and stuff like that. It's like the same. It's like the reverse of what happens to women. Right, like, exactly. Like, oh, a skill that skills all that matters. And then when some dude does some heinous shit, which like, to be clear, just because like, um people say allegations and stuff because you know uh there's no confirmation like confirmation or whatever um like believe the women who come out and like right, say exactly. they've been like, abused like this is not like an easy thing to do and you like put yourself under so much public scrutiny yeah. that i don't believe that anybody would just do it for reasons other than they've been in danger they felt unsafe and they've been subject to this kind of abuse right yeah like, the, the complete context for those you know those quote-unquote allegations is that that case was settled out of court in the uh like the south korean court right and yeah. for a case like that to make it to south korean court means that the evidence must have been very strong because frivolous cases do not make it to south korean court <laughs> like yeah so people are saying, well, like, well, there's no proof, you know, and it got settled. And it's like, no, that shit happened, okay? Like, let's not pretend. Um, let's not, like, you know, well, actually, this, fu this fucking serious situation. And, like, don't let fucking people like this be around. Like, just the idea that you would allow these people into this space makes it feel unsafe and uncomfortable for people. And it doesn't matter how good the matches are or how excellent the play is if, like, you know, you watch it and then you see there's a domestic abuser on stream who's not only allowed to play, but win the championship and yeah, know, take right. the money. Like, if you say to someone who feels like, you know, they're, uh, they're left out, they're marginalized by their local fighting game community, if you say to them, like, it doesn't matter, like, the FTC is like a it's, a, it's an inclusive space and you will find your, you know, you'll find your place in this community. And then you watch Evo, which is this community showing itself to the world, and you see someone who is widely considered to be a spousal abuser on the biggest stage that this community has. Like, what does that tell you if you're a victim of domestic abuse? It just tells you that we just don't give a shit about these people, and we should give a shit about these people. It's very right, yeah, annoying. Yeah, so, I... Oh, man, fucking... 
And the tweet from the Evo account. Oh, God. It, it was bad. With his <laughs> triumphant bad. return, Infiltration comes back and wins the Samurai Showdown final. <sighs> Fuck Triumphant off, return man. from what, Evo? Yeah, that was, a lot of my time I was like, triumphant from, return from what, huh? Tell me. Bad. Oh, Very just bad. the most tone-deaf, disgusting tweet. God. I mean, and apparently they noticed because they fucking had the compilation of, like, all the grand finals at the end, and they left out the Samurai Showdown one. Yep. Like, they realized, but, way, like, way, way too late what bad yeah. optics it was. But, like, even, like, and, like, even on, like, a, a smaller scale, there's still people like um, Chris G., Chris Gonzalez, who's, like, this prominent Marvel player, um, just know, he's known for, like, you know, his whatever tactics in Marvel, who got pretty famous. Um, he was eighth place in Dragon Ball Fighters, And it was, and he's previously said some, like, really heinous, racist, yeah. sexist shit. Yeah, he straight about, up posted um, that, he straight up posted that black women cannot play fighting games, and that uh, a bunch of them have tried to, like, groupie to him or whatever. And it's yeah. just like, he's like, on, he's man. like, he basically said black women ain't shit and all they do is complain about how they ain't shit instead of getting better like the Asian women. And it's just like, man, fuck off, dude. Like, yeah. seeing him in eighth place after, like, the incredible grand finals with uh, Goichi and um, Sonic Fox, like, seeing that soup, that surge of positivity and then going to the fucking uh, award ceremony and seeing Chris G there just, like, was such a come down. Yeah, it sucks. Like, man, like, fuck that man. Like, that man is, not only has he said that shit, but he continues to do it, like, a day or two ago, he was coming at one of my friends doing the same shit to to her, you know? Like, he is still going on against black women. Fuck that guy. So, he, he like, he he doesn't deserve his place. And, you know, and, like, on the same um, track, like, we have commentators like Eris still around, who uh, years ago you know, harassed his own women teammates um, during play were to the point where she just like you know basically threw the match to get out of there yeah and like people say that he's improved and that he's um and you know he's like he just kind of continued on that track saying like gross heinous sexist shit again um and they say he's improved he's like uh, issued apologies and stuff and that they've accepted but like when you're in that situation if you're a woman in that situation you you say you accept the apology even if like you don't feel like you've been um recompensated or you know like got your due for like the harm that's been done to you because doing otherwise will just like um get more people to be angry at you right yeah right so like i don't really buy that and people the way that people talk about eris like i've heard stuff about like his streams and like the stuff that he allows to happen in the chat like he is creating that community that allows right exactly even if he doesn't say it you yeah, can say that you're not, not saying it like, outwardly anymore. If you're not, who is? Like, yeah, there's like, and there's still like, when you get on the streams and you hear him talk, like, there's always like a small moment where he like says something that's just like, oh, just iffy and gross, and it's just like this constant like, it feels like all this gross shit's boiling underneath, and he's about to say something really heinous, uh, or you know, at least like send out the dog whistle for one. And, like, these are the people who are allowed to stick around because, you know, it's good for the stream, it's good for the money, it, like, brings people, their fans in and stuff. And it's like, 
at some point you have to put your foot down and say, you know, we'll fucking lose the money that these people would bring in because we want this community to be safe and feel good. Yeah. And we want to, you know, continue to let those positive vibes shine through instead of like making this a space where tons of people feel unsafe. Speaking of which, oh, uh, God. so it just keeps going surrounding this. There were also, there was also a big discussion about uh, Evo after parties and that there was uh, there were accusations of like roofing happening at those things. And like, there were just this really unsafe environments for women to be in. Uh, and this uh, combined just straight with... up like sexual assault. Yeah, yeah right, exactly. Uh, but then combined with, I guess, the kinds of uh, the kinds of sentiment that followed on from the women in the FGC panel at Evo, uh, and like foregrounding a lot of these issues that people were having, like realizing that there was, I guess, available like camaraderie with regards to these experiences. Uh, some people came forward and uh, conf- like talked about how. Uh, Chris Barn, one of the Evo photographers, who's like huge in the community. If you've seen photographs of uh, fighting game events, he's probably taken some of them. Uh, was alleged to have contrived circumstances for "quote unquote" unwanted physical contact with various women in the FGC. So you had a bunch of these women coming forward and sharing stories about how this guy had assaulted them. Uh, and unlike this kind of thing that you see with infiltration and you know with Chris G, CEO Taku and Combo Breaker just banned him straight up. He's gone now. And, like, you can actually just do that. You can just ban people from your events if they're bad. So maybe think about doing that. <laughs> yeah, and there'll be a lot of people like, oh, well, you shouldn't, you know, just react to things like this and just kick people out. And, like, how are we going to leave space for people to improve? But, like, there's, like, a level where you, like, said some shit that's ignorant. And then there's assaulting people, which is just, yeah, that should just be a bannable offense. Right, it's just, yeah. If you're going to do things like that, you should be gone. You should be right. ejected from the community. Like, and if nobody needs that around. If you're not willing to, like, remove people who do that from your community, you just have no, you, like, you don't care about the people in your community, and they'll find yeah, better and, ones. Yeah, you, you're telling them, essentially, that, like, stuff like this will be tolerated. Right, exactly. And then you're also telling the people who feel unsafe because of that, stuff like this is going to be tolerated, so... Right. Well, the choice is you either go to these big events that everybody goes to and that you want to go to and risk, you know, stuff like this happening or you don't. You just never show up again. Yeah. And that's how a lot of people, you know, a lot of people silently disappear exactly. when they see things like this. You're not going to hear them make a big fuss because the thing will happen that, you know, uh, if you make a big fuss and try to say something about it, then the people will come at you and then you just make yourself more in danger. Exactly. So I guess the note I want to end on is the sort of the, I guess the summary of these points is that like the FGC, like you said, the FGC likes to talk big about its inclusivity, but a lot of that is kind of toothless and old boys club stuff because like they like to think that anyone can come in and make a name for themselves or even just find a community of people that they like. And that's nominally true, but it's useless if you just use it as an excuse to do nothing, which a lot of people do and have been doing. And you need to like, think about the impacts that that is having on the community that you end up creating like is it a is it a place where people who can't find like community elsewhere can find community or is it like a home for reactionary like elements who are just going to be like gross and make the experience worse for everyone like you want to think about who you're i guess allying yourself with uh you need to like it's it's not just uh Basically, it's up to everyone to actively resist the things that make your community shitty. You can't just hope they'll go away. Right. 
You're not going to be able to body them in Street Fighter out of your community. Exactly, exactly. It's like uh, you have to actually build the community and you know take steps, even if they're uncomfortable and weird. Yeah, it's 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 work that we all have to do if we want the FTC to be a good place, which I do, so I will. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of a lot of people uh, genuinely have their lives touched by the FTC and talk about all the friendships and stuff that they make, and you know the support networks they create, and I just want that to be true for everybody. Not just for a very specific, you know, section of the population. Yeah. So, uh... <sighs> okay, that's Evo. <laughs> that's, that's Evo. That's, uh... Which is like, you know, that's almost an episode onto itself. Um, but let's move on to, again, let's move on to something more, po- more uh, powerful and positive. Yeah. Our game for segment two. Unforgivable! How could anybody make a game this cheap? Full screen dashes? Instant command grabs? Supers that do 80% of your health? Not even blocking is safe. Well, I won't let you get away with it. This is Sailor Moon, and in the name of the moon, I'll whiff punish you. So Sailor Moon S, how about this game? What what is this game? If if I say Sailor Moon S, like do I just mean the TV series or like what else is there? Okay, so Sailor Moon S is one of several fighting games, or rather one of several games for the Super Famicom and Super Nintendo. Um, there is two fighters, as far as I'm aware of, Sailor Moon S and Sailor Moon Super S. Sailor Moon S, uh, there's also a Sailor Moon S um, beat-em-up uh-huh. that you should not get it confused with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this one is Sailor Moon S outdoor brawl fight to be the protagonist. Excellent. Or fight to choose the leader. Uh, Something like that. Fight to choose the leader. Yeah, yeah. Something similar to that. Um, ostensibly, it is designed as sort of a take on Street Fighter 2's mechanics. You know, just kind of the basic, you throw fireballs, you do motions, and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, Super S is very much more in that vein, where there's a lot of specifics about that that make it a lot more of a conventional, like, Street Fighter 2 fighter. Um, okay. Sailor Moon S, uh, the first one, which is based on Sailor Moon S, not uh, the Sailor Moon S anime, uh, as opposed to the Super S anime season... Mm-hmm is really regarded for kind of how broken it is and the yeah. unintentional like oh it sure is competition <laughs> and expression that that allows and that's the big thing that people love about it yeah so we're definitely we're going to get into this in a minute but like uh yeah it's a it's a whole it's a whole business it's like so i mean it's yeah it's... so the reason i kind of wanted to do this one is because it represents it kind of represents like a direct um counter to street fighter 5 or just street right. fighter in general yeah that's that's where we picked it it's a very solid juxtaposition to the sort of the honest uh i guess sort of tightness and polish and cleanliness of street fighter 5 yeah. it's not like clean the- in this game this game's this game's filthy <laughs> yeah we talked um last episode about kind of breaking the conventions set by street fighter and the interesting ways early fighting games kind of did that. And this is like a perfect example of kind of 
what happens when you don't hold the conventions of that style sacred. And I also like it because it kind of provides a direct mirror to the masculine archetypes and visuals of like the shonen anime, the shonen anime style of stuff like uh, Street Fighter and Dragon Ball Z. Right. Yeah. Um, so just a just as a refresher for people who are not as familiar, um, I know you currently have not actually seen nope. the Sailor Moon anime. It's a, it's an aesthetic I have uh, absorbed through pop culture osmosis, but I have never watched a full episode of Sailor Moon, and I probably should have because it seems like my whole shit. But also, there's a lot of it, and I'm really bad at watching TV. So yeah, so I've seen I think the first half of season one of the original series, which is very. Um, cute colorful girly and kind of more chibi proportioned characters and leans heavy on comedy and like monster of the week style episodes as well as the first two seasons of sailor moon crystal which is much more of an adapted adaption of like the manga and goes like really fast and is very much leans hard on the world is going to be destroyed stakes and we can only save it with the power of friendship um basically sailor moon is a archetype of a magical girl anime yeah um it's a bunch of high school girls they get into hijinks and then uh, a monster of the week shows up doing something terrible to somebody in their lives and they go through an elaborate transformation sequence and then beat them with the power of friendship and love yeah so that translates here to kind of like a pretty normal street fighter style as far as controls there's four buttons um light and heavy punch and light and heavy kick yep and then you do different motions to get the specials out yep you got jumping punches and kicks crouching punches and kicks that kind of thing you got throws you got all that stuff yeah the interesting part where it gets really broken is specifics about how they use dashing um um, what you can do out of blocks and kind of um a couple specific character character specific mechanics that like really force you to play in a completely different way right so it like uh it um touches on the, the thing that we mentioned briefly in our last episode which is the uh, the invention of canceling into special moves in street fighter through the use of a uh what was in, originally intended as like an input shortcut for the game i guess in sailor mm-hmm. moon s uh, there is a bunch of stuff that you can do where it just it it feels like uh, i don't know it, it it's it feels like exploiting the game in a in a fun way like it 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 feels like it it, it just feels very powerful so like uh, an easy example is that uh normally in a fighting game when you when you block an attack you're put into what's called block stun and there's a number of frames before you can do anything again and it's it's what basically allows pressure to exist right uh, in Sailor Moon yeah, S, so you, you can, can basically sorry, so yeah, you yeah. can basically sorry, yeah, you can basically pressure people by you know doing a series of safe attacks and forcing them to guess high and low, yeah, so exactly. you can force them into making a mistake and then open them up. And those those safe attacks are they put your opponent in enough block stun that you can't uh, they put your opponent in, yeah they they can't retaliate in time and you can do that for a certain amount of time before you get pushed out again. And then it's their turn, and that's the natural ebb and flow of fighting games, right? In Sailor Moon S, you can cancel block stun into a special. So, if your if your opponent is a, uh, uh, yeah. So if your opponent's pressure is not like 
not not even tight, like tighter than tight. You're basically your opponent's pressure uh, can't exist. As soon as they're minus, you're doing something, and yeah, that can include backdashing if you want to get really far away, or it can include uh, a sh a, like an invincible reversal to knock your opponent all the way. It can even include your character's super. You, you can do. <laughs> yeah. You can do a lot of very powerful stuff immediately out of guard in this game. Yeah. And it completely so, changes the way that uh, pressure works or doesn't work, as the case may be. Yeah. The only thing that um, defines whether or not you can do something is if it starts up faster than whatever your opponent right, does exactly. next. Right, exactly. So if you do a super and the super startup <laughs> is faster than them pressing, like, say, a heavy attack, they'll get hit by it. Yeah. Or if you, say, do a command grab while you're blocking... And they haven't hit you out of it, you know, they just get immediately yep. command grabbed because they decided to kick you while you were blocking. Yep, the fools. So I guess before we get too super into the uh, nitty gritty of the mechanics of this game, because a lot of the appeal of this game is about how the peculiarities of fighting games interact in like a, an interesting play experience kind of way. What else is there about the aesthetic of this game that we like? And I remember one of the things that I really like. So we talked last week about how Street Fighter was this sort of uh, a hallmark of the shonen influence on the genre, right? And it's great how mm. Sailor Moon S is a, a shoujo counterpart to that, right? So, like, I don't know anything about Sailor Moon, but it is hilarious to me to see these, you know, these schoolgirls beating each other up in this places, these places which are like, you know, the mall or right in uh, front of the arcade in front of the arcade and in there front are, of a there are people temple. just like there are people just like there just like they're not they're not even that interested in what's going on they're just like you know i find it really funny the idea that there's like a mother and child shopping at like a clothes store or whatever and outside these fucking kids are just beating the shit out of each other yeah. you know shooting lasers out of their hands and stuff like that so the story of the game is basically everybody has a <laughs> a little spat and they decide, well, we're going to have a tournament to figure out Hell who the yeah. leader of this should be. Hell yeah. Because we can't agree that it's going to be Moon. Yeah. Um, so all of them just kind of have a fight. Um, hence, you know, fight to be the leader. Yeah. And a really... So that's like... The stakes are really low, right? There are like world-ending events and stuff in Shoujo Manga. I don't want to say that there isn't. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of... But the stakes are kind of like... In this specifically and this version of Sailor Moon specifically, the stakes are so low yeah, and like yeah. easygoing. Like it's a very much um, just kind of like a chill, cute, funny thing, like mm. played for comedy. Mm. Um, and one really great detail that I love about this, um, aside from, you know, the kind of pastel colors and all the like girly flourishes around. Yeah, the, the uh, menu the character is designs. like all like flower decals and stuff. It's great. Yeah. Aside from that, like they really lean into this is the fight to be the protagonist uh, so when you beat the game the arcade oh, mode yeah, the story yeah. mode depending on who you beat the game with it changes the title screen hell yeah this is now Pishojo senshi salem sailor uranus now hell yeah. yeah it changes the the screen and like the actual title so yeah it says Bishojo senshi sailor mars or mercury or whatever that's so and it good. changes the that's silhouette so of the character on there that is awesome it's really good um, and you pointed out when we were playing that the yeah. post-match screen it's is... It's a report uh, card, because they're high yeah. schoolers. You get grades based on that. But, like, it's... Because you get grades in fighting games a lot, but it is, like, explicitly, a, like, a report card. It's like, it says report card at the top of the screen. It's just so funny to me. Yeah, it's, like, a really funny and humorous and really... It's a cute aesthetic Yeah, for yeah. a fighting game. Um, 
and a little bit different than like how a lot of like all girl cast fighting games now kind of do it where it's like cutesy but like mm-hmm. you know yeah they're still very much tonally is still feels like a shonen fighting game yeah and the like the levity of the the sort of the menus and the aesthetic and the characters and like the way that the uh the way that the world treats them like the levity of that is a, a really actually a really strong compliment to the way that the mechanics manifest themselves because you have this game that you can uh you can do a special out of any block you can uh, do a bunch of like very very powerful special moves like in you know in street fighter if you do a fireball and your opponent blocks it they're not super happy about that but they'll move on with their lives right or they mm-hmm. can jump over the fireball and get a jump in punish, and that's a nice little interaction. In this game, if you block a fireball, you might just fucking die. <laughs> and like, <laughs> but like, when the world and characters are so uh, like cheerful and happy, it, it actually works really well like that. Because at the end of the day, you can't like sweat super hard about this game because everything in it is so ridiculous. So why not have the characters treat it like that too? You know? Yeah, it really does feel like an anime. In right, that yeah. the fate of your character can change at any moment. Like you can have no health, um, and then the next, you know, in the next ten seconds, win anyway, even if they have yep. a full bar. Yep. Like the <clears throat> the swings in victory are so wild that it's hard to like feel like like it. It definitely gets matches definitely get tense, mm. but they don't feel like. Um, they're super high stakes right all the exactly time. and it's just because everything's yeah. so easy going and the matches they don't last very long so it's easy to like uh finish one and because you know you get you get hit by something that you thought was ridiculous or whatever but it's difficult to feel too bad about that because you can just play it again and it's not a huge amount of work to get to that game state again so just just go yeah. again whatever yeah if somebody does some really nasty things on you well then you do another match and then you you know show show them the same thing right exactly exactly so speaking Um, of doing nasty shit this game has (laughs) this game has uh a almost like protolithic accessibility option for fighting games which we almost well we we see but when we see them there's mixed reception to them let's say Mm -hmm. so sailor moon s has a macro special system where the special system is much like in Street Fighter. If you want to do a fireball, you do you trace out a quarter circle and you press an attack button. You want to do a command grab, you trace out a full circle and press an attack button, and so so on and so forth. Yeah, you got charge characters where you have to hold back for two seconds and then press yeah. forward. And the game, like that. the game plays out in a you know a perfectly interesting and fun way with that system. But with this accessibility option, if you hold one of the shoulder buttons on the pad and you press uh, your attack button, you get the special move associated with that attack button. So characters have like four specials max. Some of them only have two. Uh, and what this means and is... some of them have like air specials too. Yeah, some of them have air specials as well. So like what this means is uh, you get to... You, you, uh, you get access to the kinds of stuff that you that would take you a really long time to if you if you wanted to learn it you know if you wanted mm-hmm. to learn it by doing the motions you wanted to learn it by <clears throat> playing it what people would call properly it lets you have access to the kinds of like powerful game actions that you would do anyway without like needing to sweat for 200 hours doing confirms on this system which again like this would have been on a, a super nintendo pad like i don't want to think about <laughs> spending ages grinding <laughs> execution for a super nintendo pad like yeah that would suck. um 
especially for things like the super attacks, which are like super broken and you can kind of repeatedly use as long as you yep. don't get yep. um, punished for it. Yep. Uh, they are like ridiculously difficult stuff. They're like SNK level yeah. of annoying. I mean, they're not like ridiculous level of, of stuff as far as like um, input leniency because it's for the time it is you know decently lenient yeah as far as what'll let you get out but it's like do a quarter circle forward and then do a quarter do like a half circle all the way back and things like that that take like a really long time and it's so much easier just to push two buttons together and get the cool move and then just um, (laughs) you know then you can it lets you think about how you use the moves right exactly it lets you and your opponent both get into the kinds of interesting game states and interesting decision points that make fighting games exciting like uh so i because you know i'm prideful i spent a long time playing (laughs) without the macro specials on i went when armor and i played and i had fun i enjoyed myself but uh once we were both playing with the macro specials on it meant that uh despite having only played the game briefly before we played and only you know for about half an hour when we were playing it allowed me to go straight to doing the kinds of stuff that like felt really good to do the example that i keep coming back to is so sailor uranus the character i like the most the character i played the most uh so she has that fireball i mentioned where so mm-hmm. when you block it uh it doesn't do very <laughs> yeah. much damage but it puts your opponent in so much block stun that they can't do anything for 34 frames. That is a full half... <laughs> Did you look that up? I, it's been said to me before. It might be inaccurate. <laughs> and the way frame data is determined on old games like that is some, sometimes kind of confusing. Yeah, but sometimes they literally make it random. <laughs> it is a full half second. So you get a long time to do whatever you want to do. And the the people who designed this game clearly have the... Which I believe actually... I looked this up, sorry, but we can do a... We can do a brief aside here, but it actually is Arc System Works who made this game. Yeah, there's a lot. It's it's weird because it's like the developer credited as Angel, but there's a lot of people who worked. Well, who went on in, to work for Arc System? It says it says brackets Angel, but uh, Arc System Works are listed as the developer on Wikipedia, and it's listed in the games that they made on Wikipedia. So. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It's weird because, like, with old game stuff like that, it's hard to confirm yeah, any of that. I see what you mean. And yeah, you know, yeah. people say, "Well, this was made by this person," and then you know, it becomes fact. Right, right. So it's it's a little bit shady. I mean, okay. there were people who went on to work at Arc System Works who worked on this. Yeah. Um, so it, as I mean, far as yeah. at least planning. The ultimate uh, like point is that you can like you yeah. can tell there's Arc System Works DNA in this game, right? Is this is the point I'm making? Like it, it yeah. Feels... Even if it's like not directly, you know, go if it even if it doesn't like directly go to, you know, traces aligned to it. Yeah, you can like there's there's shared it, DNA at least in spirit. Yeah, there's there's a shared DNA and um, progression there. So, uh, but the point I was going to make is that so you block this fireball and you can't do anything for the next half second, and so. Uranus's kit is perfectly set up to take advantage of that because she's the only character in the game who has a grounded forward dash. Everyone else has a back dash. And yeah, and is, dashes in this game go entirely across the screen. Say, it's yeah, not like so, you jump like a little bit forward. You go to the other side of the screen. Yeah, so you zone them at full screen with this fireball and, as, and they have to jump them or actually get hit by them because as soon as they block one, you dash full screen and then you can either command grab them which does 30% of their life 
or you can hit them with a low. So that's a full 50-50 mix-up, completely unreactable. And uh, and the low goes into like the an low infinite. goes into an infinite combo. <laughs> yeah, the low goes into an infinite combo. And you're like, well, that sounds really cheap. That sounds really broken. You can also do anything. You can backdash or do <laughs> any special or super out of that block. Also, yeah, right. So like, it is incredibly cheap and like ridiculous. But also, you could just do your command grab <laughs> yeah. in retaliation yeah. and have them dash right into your command grab. Yeah. Which command grabs are, if you don't know, they're grabs that are what are called unteckable. Uh, so they're, they're, called, they're called command throws because uh, you usually do commands to, to input them, whereas initially in uh, Super Turbo, you didn't need to... You, like These days, usually, particularly in Street Fighter, you throw by pressing two buttons. But... Right. In the earlier fighting games, you would just hold forward while next to your opponent and press a heavy button. And that's the same in Sailor Which is, Moon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, a command grab, you put a motion in first, and then you press a button, and you get an untackable grab. So basically, you can't get out of it, and you can't you can't reduce any of the damage of it. I'm not actually sure if there's uh, teching, grab teching in this game. I, I don't know that either. There might but be, reg- uh... Regardless, it's like a really powerful move that basically makes it so that... Yeah. If you get in front of a character who has one of these and they are ready for you, they will just grab you. There's nothing you can do about it. And generally, um, characters who have uh, command throws like this make up for it since they do so much damage. Um, they make up for it by having less options otherwise, so they have to right. work harder to get in. Yes. But Uranus just gets to do a full screen dash yeah. out of like anything. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the the uh, the the what the trade off that Uranus is making for having this ridiculous mix up is that she doesn't have any other specials. But that doesn't doesn't really fucking matter. Like yeah, your two she specials has, like, are all you will ever need. Projectile and a slide, but it doesn't matter because like. Like you said, like so powerful. Those two, those two tools are so powerful. It doesn't really matter. Apparently, uh, it looks like this game might have throw breaks in it. I'm, I've just found a, a YouTube tutorial series on it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I guess. So I like to play. I like to play Sailor Uranus because she's the best. I love her. Uh, what about what about you, Armor? <laughs> Who did you like in this game? Um. I like Uranus. Um, I like Mercury, specifically with the easy inputs, because Mercury... So one of the weird things about the easy inputs is that um, they obviously just kind of put it in as an option and mm, didn't yeah. like try to balance for it or anything. Right, Because yeah. characters who would normally have to do charge moves, so you hold back for like a couple seconds or down, yeah. and then you press the opposite direction, you can just do those moves instantly. Yep. So it kind of changes the interactions. So you get like a much better fireball. You yeah, can play right, slightly exactly. less defensive. So like charge the thing with charges because you have to hold an opposite direction. You you're usually yeah, like it's balanced. It's balanced and, with that in mind, right? So you have to yeah. hold you have to hold down before you can press up to flash kick, or you have to hold back and so you can press forward to fireball or whatever. But what that means is that what that means is that you have a very because you can't move while you're charging it. The flash kick is a very powerful reversal. But then yeah. if you have this macro special system on, you can do it while walking forward. <laughs> yeah, you can just walk forward and then do the super powerful move. Which they did so, add in Street Fighter Five. actually. Guile can crouch walk now. but Yeah, so... But you can do it after landing from... Actually, no. You can do it while running forward or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can do it out of backdash. You can do all kinds of stuff. It's great. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. So I really like Mercury because she has, like, 
a fireball that can hit you in the air if you try to jump over. Mm -hmm. And she has one that she can shoot across the screen. Yep. And then if you do get in, she's got like a Chun-Li style spinning bird kick where she basically bird dances on the floor for a lot of damage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think she might even have a grab. I don't remember. Uh, oh, I feel, I think, I I feel like so. she has a command grab. <laughs> I think so. Is that who I'm thinking of? Wait, who are you talking about? Sorry. Uh, Mercury, the one, who she, the water one. Oh, uh, I don't know if she has a command throw. I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, I think you're thinking of. I'm thinking of no, Jupiter. Jupiter, which is that's the other it. Jupiter. That I she's play. the one with a yeah. I believe she has two fireballs. Two fireballs. I think a ground fireball and air fireball. Uh, yeah. A so one of them goes on the floor. Throw. Yeah, there's a lariat to get you out of bad situations, which is like normally when you see a lariat in fighting games, it's just like, you know, you spin around in a circle with your arms to your side. She does like a ballerina spin with yeah. one leg up in the air. And she can, and like, you can just do it for ages. Move it back. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you can do You can keep mashing it to keep doing it and you can move left and right as you do it. Yep. It's cool. So it's really funny seeing like a super powerful move like that. That would just like be some showy wrestling move, get turned into like. A real damaging um like a ballerina style dance move um but also very crucially not only does she have the two fireballs on the floor she has one that she can do in the air yep which uh depending on the strength it shoots like a ball the ball itself doesn't do any damage but once it hits the floor it shoots like a pillar of lightning straight up across the screen so if you step forward or if you stepped on it this is one of the things about stuck. this game that is like when when people talk about how Sailor Moon S is a, a weird broken game. This is one of the things they bring up mo the most is that uh, that fireball from the air that, that lands on the ground and makes a pillar of lightning does more damage if you block it than if you let it hit you. <laughs> right. It, chi you, it chips more than it hits. You can't dash through it or jump through it. So you just kind of end up getting stuck. And then once you're knocked down, well, it's time for her to, you know, create the setup <laughs> and it's time for you it's time for you to guess where the lightning's gonna be yeah and another fun thing about this is that when you backdash which everybody has backdash is considered a state that's in the air so you can do this immediately out of backdashing yep. so you could block something and then backdash be right in front of that person and shoot the lightning to keep them stuck there yep and, and do then, a bunch of damage <laughs> right and then that's your turn your turn um yeah. there's a ton of <laughs> fun stuff like that um yeah another thing i wanted to mention when we uh, talked about super arts in this game so uh this game unlike street fighter <laughs> it doesn't have a meter so but you do have super arts that you can access you know very powerful special moves do a lot of damage or have unique properties uh this game has yeah this game has what's called desperation supers where you gain access to this move when your health falls below a certain value or when there's 10 seconds left on the clock. Or, yeah, right. Or when there's 10 seconds left on the clock. However, unlike other games with desperation supers, which might say, right, your health has fallen below this particular value, you get a desperation super. This game lets you use them as much as you like. <laughs> For as long yeah. as your life is below 25% or the clock is below 10 seconds and you're not dead, you can do a desperation super. So there are other games that like allow you to do stuff like that, but usually when it lands you don't get to do it again so like mk11 you can yeah, do it and then it, it'll recharge and you can use yeah. it again as long as you're on low health but usually when it hits they take it away from you if it hits well either they're dead or you get to do it again yep 
It's like uh, so. It's it, what it has. It has a really peculiar effect on the game that I really wasn't expecting and was surprised by when I played it with you. Was that because you uh, you put your opponent into this state where they have access to this this move? What it does is it creates like a very like a very stark change in the game state because it doesn't it doesn't uh, give them a tool which they then have to decide when to apply and that they'll run out of. It's not like a yeah, you're not working working for like the working to set up a perfect opportunity to use right, it. It's exactly. basically like if you make a mistake, you will lose right now. Yeah, exactly. And it, but uh, but forever for the rest of the game. Like, and sometimes yeah, sometimes the, you end up with a situation where you'll do your super, you'll do your desperation super. You know, it'll fucking launch you into the air or whatever, and then you <laughs> land. And the fastest thing that you can do out of the recovery of your super is, is your super, super again. <laughs> so like. Either you eat the punish and probably die, or you just super again. And like yeah. a, a bunch of them, you know, they raise you off the ground, they have invul, like stuff like that. So it means Chibi that... Moons hits everywhere on the screen. Yeah, right, exactly. She's the worst character in the game, but her super hits everywhere. Yeah, exactly. So like yeah, it, it it just it's it's weird to play a game where like past a certain point in the ordinary game, suddenly you're playing a completely different game. And it's very strange because <clears throat> these supers do so much damage that you can be winning for the entire game, put your opponent below 25%, and then their super kills you before you ever get a chance to use yours. So <laughs> Yeah. So there's also it also does more damage on counter hit. So in fighting <laughs> games there's generally yeah. an idea of um if somebody does a move and they miss, you can hit them while their move is recovering yeah. to get a counter hit, which like does more stun, so you can do more things and does more damage. It's um, uh, it's usually here, you hit the startup of their move or the recovery of their invincible move. Right. Basically, if you like react to their move and you stop them, yeah, from it's doing it's it, your it's you get rewarded for attacking at what the game considers a smarter time than your opponent. Yeah, <laughs> but this also, <laughs> but in Sailor Moon S, this also applies to supers. Yep. So something that d- does sixty percent of your health we'll normally if they decide to push any button <laughs> decide oh i'm gonna take my turn now no you get hit instead of 60 percent, maybe a hundred percent i'm pretty sure there are supers that do a hundred percent damage on counter hit I'm, i feel like uranus is definitely does like yeah <laughs> uranus is like she's the one that you just dash forward yeah, you, across you dash the forward screen, across right? the screen and, then and you punch do like... them like 600 times and then they die <laughs> Yeah, and it does so much damage even if they block it. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, uh, uh, there's a bunch that do a, a, a load of damage on ship. The thing that I found really funny about Uranus is, is that she, you know, she punches you a bunch of times, and like it's a lot of times, and your health is going down this whole time, and you're like, oh my god, am I going to survive? Am I going to survive? And then she ends it by command grabbing you, which does like the normal oh amount god, of command grab damage, and you just fucking die. <laughs> yeah, and then there's uh, Mars who shoots fire, who shoots like birds of fire at the enemy, and her super is one is like a bigger bird of fire oh, and it chips that like, like a barely looks health. any different from the regular yeah. one but yeah you just if you have like less than 50 percent health you'll probably die even if you block it <laughs> yeah yeah you just get chipped out it's pretty funny but yeah it's that's, it's really interesting that's kinda, like it, it, yeah. it's actually kind of evocative of uh the v-trigger system we discussed for last uh last <laughs> way week way more broken but yeah like, it's a broken version of v-trigger because v-trigger has think, that um, thing where if so for some characters you know you get to a certain point in the game and the state of the game changes sometimes forever in the case of characters like nikali or other characters that mm-hmm. have you know 
more permanent V-Trigger installs. So, like, I think it's it's interesting to see that borne out in a, you know, dumb anime game. <laughs> yeah, this is a game from 1994. Yeah, I know, right? I think. Um, and wh- one thing to speak about, like, the Shoujo aesthetic earlier, one thing that I really liked about this is, like, yeah, of course this happens. Like, the magical girls get way more powerful at desperate times, right? Yeah, exactly. It's anime. That's exactly how it works. That's how anime works. You know, they get beat down for three episodes, and then at the end, they team up with their friends, and then they, you know, change the whole situation. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens in this game. So it's never over. The game doesn't end just because you are... Because, like, in some games, like, it's really hard to get back um, the match from a life lead that's, yeah, yeah. that can happen anytime in this game yep you guess wrong you forget to you know special cancel or backdash cancel something and you just fucking die it's hilarious <laughs> it's it's a really fun game to play yeah and I, I I just love it just the combination of like the music they have like a lot of iconic renderings of like um, the voice lines from uh, okay. the show I, and... I believe you <laughs> Yeah, and there's even like a Super Nintendo sound chip version of the theme song from Sailor Moon. That is pretty iconic. Nice. Um, yeah, they do a lot to get the character of the show in here. And it's just like, because of these wild swings, it's so funny. Yeah. This is such a funny game. Yeah, it's really funny. We laughed a lot while we were playing it. <clears throat> while we were playing it. And yeah, like a lot of people are like, why would you make a game like this? Why is this? Why would you want to play a game that's like this broken and stuff like that? But like when you actually play it, it's like a very valid way to actually make a game. Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. And it's like the kind of thing I kind of want to see more of because like when we build things exclusively for like a competitive focus, like it takes out a lot of the really wild things that mm. are expressive and yeah, kind absolutely. of like. Um, call back to the source material and stuff like that yeah there's uh, there's um, fun to be had beyond sweating for esports you know (laughs) yeah and that's like one of the things that i wanted to talk about on this show is that like there are fighting games a lot of fighting games like this that are very evocative the show and we have like a very strong aesthetic or create a certain mood that are and i think that's valuable even if they're not competitive hmm yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I mean, fighting games are fighting ultimately games like a, this, yeah. a mode of play, right? And, you you know, play is good. Yeah, yeah. there's value in, like, picking up your favorite Sailor Senshi and putting them against each other and then laughing with your friends at, like, the comedic animations as they, you know, make hilarious faces as they get yeah. electrocuted yeah, and yeah, set exactly. on fire Guess, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Sailor Moon S, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I like that. I like that video game. Yeah. I would say, you know, if you kind of want to get something different, if you don't know where to start, um, if you just want something that'll, like, let you get the fun, really broken stuff mm. that you could do in, a, like, higher levels at other games, but, you know, like, under, able to understand in, like, two seconds, like, the way that this game works, the peculiarities of its mechanics and, like, the, you know, assisted special system... You know, it really makes it something that you can just kind of jump in and yeah, understand. Right. Like, I've brought this to locals a couple times, and you know, I throw on the <laughs> easy um, specials options, and people get it in like five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Right? 
and I guess if I, if I had one last thing to say about this game, it's that if you think that because it has a macro special system that there isn't advanced tech in this game, you would be completely wrong because the worst character in the game, uh, Chibi Moon, <laughs> through the use of skilled uh, use of her backdash, can become completely invincible for the duration of the game. <laughs> so yeah, so there's a so backdashes are like I think invincible on startup, probably. So there's like an op- there's like a certain period of time where you're you can't get hit by things. As yeah, you yeah. Chibi Moon is the only one who can who has like a small tiny period where you can chain that backdash yeah, into another backdash back into itself. And if you do that properly, you like you can just never receive damage. <laughs> yeah. So there is um, a really there was a really famous <laughs> clip um, on Twitter from Combo Breaker the midwest fighting game tournament of somebody who just timed out for like 10 15 seconds yep uh they got the life lead and they they just backdashed into the corner and perfectly chained the backdash forever as somebody furiously tried to do specials and (laughs) normal attacks to hit chibi and just could not do it (laughs) quick note the person in that clip is qcc big zam they're one of the prominent Chibi Moon players and hang out a lot in the Moonlight Fight Society Discord, the main community for Sailor Moon S players. Anyway, shout out to them and shout out to the Discord. Now, back to the show. Uh, yeah, really, really incredible video game. Yeah. Um, as far as, like, playing this game, there's a lot of, uh, there's some certain Discords like uh, the Sailor Moon, I think, like, Moonlight Fighters Discord and the like TMNT Super Nintendo Fighters Discord that I've been hanging around in who've like provided a lot of like um, setups for like net play and stuff like that. Oh, right, yeah, so you cool. can play with people across the, you know, across wherever. Um, we just we used, used Parsec. Parsec. Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually, I wanted to mention that. I was impressed by how good Parsec was for us. Like it was, it was like playing in the same room, which we actually did yeah. recently. Yeah. It was, so it was, it was basically, um, it just basically streams one person's scream to the other person, and then the other person just provides inputs. Yep. Um, this worked well enough for us to play competitive matches from the U.S. to the Midwest U.S. to the U.K. Yeah, it was good. So you know, <laughs> your uh, your mileage may vary, but you know there are ways to play this if you want to play them with anybody. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's it made me want to try Parsec with other things actually, just to see if it. See if it actually felt good compared to the official netplay solutions those games are using. So. Yeah, sometimes Parsec feels better than netplay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to our last and final segment. Oh yeah, our only questions. only another hour of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So from Jupiter Doomsday on Twitter, who was your favorite Sailor Scout to play with? And any recommendations? Do you want to go first? Curly, you yeah. want to start oh, off? Okay, I'll go first. So uh, I, I mentioned this, but I love Sailor Uranus. She is me and I am her. Uh, I, she's the best. She has a fucking... Well, she, so she has uh, a great aesthetic. She's got this like cute but also kind of andro aesthetic. 
She's tall. She has a full screen dash and a command throw, just like me. So I, I, I want to I play her in the video game. And Absolutely seen Curly her, in person. I find her loop really fun. I find the, the way she looks, you know, it's just it's a great character. She just ticks all the, yeah. all the boxes for me. <laughs> in the anime, they actually really lean into that Andro aesthetic. Um, I'm not sure about the original anime, but definitely in Crystal, they are. You know, they position her as a very boyish figure who everybody thinks is a boy and, you know, all the girls have a crush on. Yeah, there's a there's a, a famous Tumblr post with a picture of Sailor Uranus waving to the crowd and the uh, the text says, uh, Am I a boy? Am I a girl? But nobody knows. And everyone loves me, so that makes everyone gay. And that image is emblazoned on my heart. <laughs> yeah. Um... Along those lines, I love Jupiter. Jupiter is like a very super tall girl who does not wear the school uniform of the school she goes to and instead wears the one from the school she transferred to because the school uniforms do not fucking fit her. She's too tall. <laughs> too tall. Damn. And everybody is intimidated by her, but she actually is a sweetheart and really loves cute things. And that's just me. Mood. Huge mood. Also, I love being able to shoot pillars of lightning and not make him and force everybody to not be able to do anything. Yeah, yeah, that is some good shit. It's really good. Okay. Um, Noctamore on Discord says, Does Sailor Moon S capture any of the aspects of the source material pretty well? Or, And they say that um, they don't have any particular experience with this game, but they saw a lot of Dragon Ball Z games over the years, and it's fascinating to see which things um, these anime games prioritize. And yeah, I think we talked a little bit about the way that it gets across the aesthetic, the iconic lines, um, <laughs> that report card thing and the title yeah. screen changes are really good. Uh, it definitely captures the spirit of, you know, the levity of the original series mm. and the wild swings in shoujo protagonist um, <laughs> energy. Yeah, right. like I didn't, I you know, I've never seen Sailor Moon, but... I just I really like the, uh, the sort of I guess it, it very much uh, it does work to convey the mood of a game about fighting magical schoolgirls like it, it sells that very well and you know in a way that a lesser fighting game might not it might just lean on the show to do all of that legwork for you but the game actually brings that to the foreground in a way that I like. Um, I. I think we had another question from Twitter just basically asking if we use the oh yeah. original English dub oh right uh, uh, names or if we use the translated for uh, uh, for however great it was Parsec did not send me the audio for this game particularly well so I feel like yeah. I can't comment but yeah um uh no Curly's never seen the show so they don't <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that they even know the characters names um I'm weird in that I came to Sailor Moon late and the revised dub uh, was already out that had the original Japanese names instead of like Usagi being Serena or whatever. Right. So I only know their original Japanese names, um, which is fine. I, I think that a lot of people grew up with a Deke um, <laughs> dub ah, yes. that changed like a lot of the names to Americanize them, which is really funny. Um, and I think it's worth kind of watching a couple of those episodes on their own. But yeah, I'm, you know, I'm stuck with the Japanese. That's how it. Is. That's how it is in my brain. Fair enough. 
So uh, next question comes from Rahan Nakero via Twitter. Is Do you have a favorite bad fighting game, like a guilty pleasure game that you know isn't balanced or competitive, but it's so much fun <laughs> that you don't give a fuck? Yes, this game. This game is very good. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, you basically describe every single fighting game that I enjoy. <laughs> there are games that they call poverty fighters, in that like nobody plays them, or a very small group of people play them. And you know there will be the infamous things like Melty Blood. I was going to say, playing like, on a laptop, we in live a in train a, or bathroom. We live in an interesting world where everyone calls Melty Blood a poverty fighter, but everyone knows about it, and it's pretty widely played. Like it gets big brackets, so it's it's weird yeah, to think so. of it as a poverty fighter, especially when there are so many games out there that no one plays. Right, and I love every single one of those, mostly because like once you get into the weirder, smaller things, they really start throwing out the window, like any conventions of fighting games and like it doesn't matter if they're balanced or not like just seeing how expressive and weird yeah, things yeah. can get is like really inspiring for me it's a low it's a low level example of that thing that we talked about regarding like established grammar and stuff the less uh, respect that you pay towards things like <laughs> you know clean balance the more room there is for expression it's not always you know i'm not saying that you should make no effort to balance your fighting game. But I'm saying that if you, you know, you can at least creatively interpret that brief to say something. And these games often do. Yeah, and you can put your focus elsewhere. Exactly. And it's like perfectly valid to like create a game that you care more about like doing something expressive than, you know, being balanced. <laughs> and I'll, like, you know, we talked about Ultra Fight Dakianta. Hell yeah. <laughs> And that is a game that just does not care. Yeah, if, uh, if there is... Sailor Moon S is the, like, broken anime mess of Super Turbo, then Ultra Fight Dakianta 2 is the broken anime mess of KOF 98, and I can't wait to do an episode about it. <laughs> yeah, that game, you can... That game starts off with, I think, like, three or four speed. Uh, like, like uh, just like in, like, Super Turbo, you could do, like... Oh, yeah, you can actually yeah, change stars the of speed, speed at which the game is played. You it can go to, to just, like, like 10, 10 or something yeah. <laughs> where everything comes out in, like, what feels like a single frame. Yep, speed 10, baby. In the game, yeah. What if you were playing a video game, but it was at five times the speed? You could just do that. Yep, and it's awesome. <laughs> so uh, next was from Doc Bach via Discord. I'm going to say Bach like that. I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> the the thing I most associate with Sailor Moon S is the really wild, broken-ass tech folks have discovered for it, like Uranus's Infinite or that backdash timer scan that was kind of big on Twitter after Combo Breaker, which was mentioned earlier. What are some of y'all's favorite examples from that type of thing across fighting games? Hmm. Good question. That is yeah. a good question. Uh, Again, everything from Dakianta, which is like broken on in intentionally. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to it's think. Like, what What's, if we took? Yeah, because again, like the, obviously, the the marquee example is special canceling, which was not fully intended by the Street Fighter Two devs, but nevertheless, pretty important. Um, yeah. On a similar note, uh, Capcom versus SNK Two had a thing yes. called roll cancels, yes. where you would pick a specific style and would let you do like a KOF style evasive roll. Right. But people right. would just use that to. Um, combo things that otherwise would not be comboable yeah, because they would cancel yeah. the animation. There's a few examples of stuff like this actually. So yeah, with uh with CVS2 it's a really interesting one because like it's sort of widely well not widely, but semi-widely considered that that game probably wouldn't be that like widely liked if they hadn't discovered like if if roll canceling hadn't become such a big deal. Uh 
it's uh, it had the opposite effect in SBC Chaos, the uh, the you know the other half of the Capcom versus SNK bargain with SNK versus Capcom, uh, in that the the guard cancel front step, which is a weird way of you know a weird non-roll thing, uh, basically makes the game completely miserable because <laughs> it just like it's a defensive option that beats everything and you can do it out of everything. So as soon as you're on the offensive and guard cancel front stepping your stuff, it's very, very hard to contest. So there's a, there's a few examples of stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that's all of melee, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Wave, L wave canceling dashing, and wave L dashing. canceling, yeah. Which have, like, similar to, like, combos and stuff, um, they got formalized, especially in uh, non-Nintendo platform fighters. Right, yeah. A lot of people intentionally built those into the mechanics so they're much easier yeah. to do. I uh, I didn't become, learn like, how melee worked until I was told how it worked by Rivals of Ether. So <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, there's like just tons of games built around that stuff now. Yeah, that, yeah. That becomes the meta, and that's that's cool. That's that's one of the, that's one of the cool ways in which uh, one of the cool directions in which fighting games can go is that you know rather than like there's 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 sort of multiple paths you can go one of them is by like disregarding this grammar and deprioritizing it in the way that you design new games and the other is by anal- like analyzing that grammar as it exists and new ways in to i guess interpret that grammar as it was presented before right yeah there's a lot of things that kind of just are emergent play yeah from yeah what exists and then you know they get built around it yeah okay from M via the Abnormal Mapping Discord. Shout out to Abnormal Mapping, who now host us. Thank you for that. Now they're officially um, friends of the show rather than just friends of the show. Well, they're friends and hosts of the show now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Why can't we get another Magical Girl fighting game? Kill a Kill doesn't count because it's an arena fighter. Well, so the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of uh, Magical Girl fighting games is Toho, right? So Toho, the yeah. the uh, magical girl <laughs> Dojin property in, uh, I mean it's it's kind of magical girly, but uh, yeah, it's it's like they're like shrine priestesses. There are like thirty plus video games of Toho. Some of them are fighting games. Most of them are bullet hell games. Some of them are like weird rhythm action games. But uh, one of them is a warrior wear game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing with Toho is that. There's the main games, and then there's the games that we get, which is just yeah, the right. fan games yeah. that the Zune, the original creator, just allows people to yeah. fucking make with his characters. Shoutouts to that guy. Yeah. Yeah, so Toho fighting games, I guess. I mean, they're making them. There's like a new one every year. Some of those are pretty good. We'll get to them. Yeah, we'll get to those. Um, there's also, uh, well, there's, there's the two that you've got, right? Yeah. I mean, these are kind of arena fighter so sorry if you're looking for a traditional fighter <laughs> but there's maiden and spell which we will get to yeah which is kind of like what if you were both bullet hell bosses and we're doing fencing with bullet hell patterns yeah and again it works but, really well with the uh the magical girl like conceit because it's got transformation sequences that change you turn into a, an even better bullet hell boss and stuff like that it's cool yeah it's got it's got really cute um character designs and stuff mm. that i definitely think people should check out there's a demo out um i just love the aesthetic stay tuned episode coming soon <laughs> yeah and there's also a twinkle star sprites in a sequel la petite princess well, that's even which less is, like a even less like a 2d yeah. fighting game that's like less like a fighting game it's more like puyo puyo but what instead of doing puzzles you did um uh 
shoot them up waves yeah, on your right. side of the screen and then send like you know stuff to the other side yeah it's i played some of that ps2 sequel at locals recently with one of my, one of my friends uh-huh. and it is let me tell you that is one of the most intense games that you can play <laughs> yeah i uh, i played a bit of twinkle star sprites at locals once and uh also a bit of rival mega gun which is a, a similar game mm-hmm. for the more recent you know came out this year last year both of them are on Switch now. And uh, I guess the other one would be uh, Arcana Heart, which is sort of uh, magical girl adjacent. Uh, it's, yeah, can, it's one of those. You can certainly There's... air dash in it. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's one of those like all-girl anime fighters, which which there are many of them. And that's kind of the problem with having a magical girl fighter is that it, there is a million anime girl fighting games. And they're all um, horny. Every They're single all one horny. Of them. Every single one of them. Yeah. God. We were talking about Senran Kagura. But let, let me explain to you. This is not like a rare thing. Nope. It is unfortunate fact that anywhere that there is anime, there is horny. It's just shy of being able to be a genre of its own. Yeah. So yeah. that leads us naturally on to our next question from Urfeo via Discord. Why are fighting games so horny? And I love people ask this. It's a reasonable question to ask. Fighting games are real fucking horny, and people ask it a lot. And I love when people ask it because it actually has a specific answer. And I I got it from a really great piece by uh, Polygon on an oral history of Street Fighter Two. It has interviews with a bunch of the developers and also the producers and distributors in the U.S. of Street Fighter Two. It shows that how that game came to be in various iterations it shows the way that they responded to uh the famous rainbow edition hack that people were making and stuff like that it's really cool but uh it goes like this so uh the uh, the the anecdote is <laughs> god this anecdote so the way th- the story goes that yoko shimamura was talking to akira yasuda one of the character artists for street fighter 2 and she said uh so she she asked him why does chun li have such big thighs and the anecdote goes so shimamura says he started shouting off and was like i can't believe you don't understand the appeal and he started explaining the attraction and you know i'm a woman and i asked the question but it got kind of awkward when he started explaining his fetishes i mean he has really strong feelings towards his creations there's a reason for everything being the way it is when i heard that i thought maybe it's just something that everybody thinks but everybody doesn't go out telling everybody. <laughs> but he just told me. <laughs> and you can look and see some of the sketches of uh, like early production sketches for Street Fighter 2. And there are like big arrows and like circles drawn around <laughs> Chun-Li's thighs. Like make sure she has giant thighs. So you could make a point about the a character with you know whose emphasis is that she kicks you you want to be able to see her legs right but also akira yasuda was just a horny guy and that's why all fighting games are so horny because ultimately you need the kinds of to make a fighting game look good and as we've touched on you need a fighting game to look good to get people to play it to make a fighting game look good you need to hire the kinds of people who will sit down and draw high effort sprites of the same character in high frame rate animations and that selects for certain kinds of person. <laughs> and a lot of them are very, very horny. Exactly. Uh, so that's it. That's why fighting games are so horny. Because all fighting I mean, games are... I mean, they would be horny even, if, even without that being true. Maybe. Maybe. 
but uh maybe but i mean that doesn't help no yeah it's because all fighting games are street fighter 2 and street fighter 2 is made by akira yasuda who loves him some thighs can't believe you don't understand them <laughs> 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 oh, sometimes fighting games are bad <laughs> yep uh okay to move on from that, Sahil on Twitter says, Do you follow the competitive sides of any games outside of Evo, like Capcom, Pro Tour, Arc Revo, or etc.? What do you think about the year-long style of competitive uh, year-long competitive format? So I I follow the I well, I don't follow it as closely as I used to, but I have followed the uh uh Capcom Pro Tour. Uh, I'm sort of pay loose attention to the second world tour i followed the dragon ball fighters world tour I, lo I love this stuff and it's good i like it it works there you know obviously there's always room for improvement with this kind of thing but it provides an easy uh, narrative for you to follow it provides easy storylines for the kinds of players and matches that are involved so if you're like interested in high level play of these games i'd absolutely recommend tuning into a few pro tour events and seeing what, what they're like because following along the kinds of names that tend to do well at those events is a really good way to get invested in the storyline of that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I don't really have anything to add to that, but <laughs> you pretty much said it. Yeah. From Lofty, friend of the show Lofty. What's your favorite, favorite weird guest character in fighting games? Do you want to start with this one? Uh, I don't... I, honestly, I can't, like... I think of guest characters in fighting games, and the first, the, the only ones I can really think of are Tekken's. I guess. Uh, oh, fucking Negan. Yeah, right, Negan from TV. That's not a favorite. Fucking I wouldn't consider Jeffrey it. Dean Morgan. They added two B to Soul Calibur Six. They did. That's true. That's true. Uh, I There's guess Mortal Kombat uh, has a lot of party. good ones, right? Like uh, fucking, I don't know. Oh man, fucking Predator. The Alien. Was Predator yeah. in there? The Alien from Alien. Uh, fucking all those horror Jason people, Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, yeah. Voorhees, God. Um, I guess all the Smash guest characters. Yeah, I, Richter again, in like, particular. I don't, I, Bayonetta, Bayonetta is a good one. Uh, my favorite weird ones are the Virtual Fighter appearance. I was about characters. to say, yeah, Virtual Fighter in uh, in Dengeki Bunko. Like that's a yeah. that's a weird one. I like the DOA ones, but the good weird ones are the ones where. Uh, Silvaria and Akira from Ver from uh, um, Valkyria Chronicles yeah, yeah. and uh, specifically Virtual Fighter one is weird because like when the Virtual Fighter characters went into Dead or Alive you're like okay that makes sense they have a shared history but then when you just like make him into a 2D character 2D boss character for this like C tier anime fighting yeah. game. Oh, I've, I've, I've fucking. It's really I've, funny. I've got it. I figured out my best, my favorite guest character in a fighting game. So, dial the clock back. In 1998, uh, Squaresoft made a 3D fighting oh, game. No. Oh, no. Squaresoft made a 3D fighting game called Air Gaze God Bless the Ring. God bless the God ring. God bless the ring. Right. So, so it has an original cast of some uh, I can't think of how many characters it has probably a bunch it, of wrestlers yeah it's a bunch of wrestlers uh, one of them is like one of them is like a, a like a a descendant of a, a, a like a visual descendant of fucking Heiachi or uh, Jin from Tekken 
So uh, yeah, you true. have this weird game. It's a weird <laughs> format. It's not like a. It's a sort of a. It's not like a Street Fighter sequel. It's not a Tekken sequel. It's a difficult. It's a difficult sell, right? It's difficult to get people to buy into new fighting games, even now in 1998. So Squaresoft put a bunch of Final Fantasy VII characters in it. I sure did. So you have this box with uh, this, you know, fucking villain-looking dude with an eye patch and a gun arm, uh, a, a sort of fresh-faced cop. And an old, uh, an old, an old master type character wearing a, a long coat, and Cloud yep. <laughs> with a Buster Sword. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's really good. So pl- uh, my oh sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the playable character. So yeah, so the playable characters include Cloud, Sephiroth, Yuffie, Vincent, Zack, and Red Thirteen, the dog, like Tifa too, right? Yeah, yeah and Tifa, yeah, yeah. It's like the whole cast. Yeah, that's most of the characters. <laughs> Sid got done. And then a bunch of wrestlers. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's very funny because as well, like the character select screen is kind of weird. Like you can't really see a representation of the characters you're scrolling through, so you just keep scrolling until it stops being weird martial artists and starts being <laughs> characters from a JRPG. It's very yeah. Good. The other good one is I think like. X-Men versus Street Fighter or Street Fighter one of the, one of the Capcom versus series they just put a Japanese comedian in it. <laughs> what? I didn't know that. Yeah, there's just it's a specific person and it's only in like the Japanese versions of the game, but there's they just made a whole Japanese com- like an actual real life Japanese comedian. That's hilarious. They translated him into the style of their Capcom fighters. And he's obviously a joke character. <laughs> Nor, Nor, what is it? Noritake, Noritake Kinashi. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> I had no idea that this was in this game. That's very funny. Yep. Wow, that's a, that's one hell of a sprite, huh? <laughs> yeah, they really don't give him a flattering appearance. <laughs> well, apparently he uh, he consulted on the design, so. Yeah, they really leaned into making the comedy design for it it's just him like falling over and being incompetent and scared of it you know because he's fighting the hulk and ryu and whatever good for them <laughs> so okay our last question for this time comes from alana via discord and is what should i do as someone with a complete lack of patience for anything to get good at fighters so i guess the answer to this is to find a friend to play with and just enjoy playing it because you need, I, you know, I mentioned that you need patience and practice to improve, but you don't need to improve. You can just enjoy fighting for fighting's sake, and then you shouldn't need any patience because it should just be self-evidently fun. Yeah, you said that. You said this uh, last time on our last cast, yeah. but I want to reiterate it. Uh, there's no point of getting good at a game that you don't enjoy. Exactly. Exactly. Enjoy the game first, and then if you want to improve on it, uh, you'll be motivated to do right. so. And if you're not, that's you know that's valid. Uh, just play the fighting games yeah. enjoy them for what they are um if you think you can enjoy them more by learning a little bit more of them like go ahead and take that next step but there's no reason that you have to get exactly and i guess if the uh if what you actively desire is to be good at a fighting game then what you need to do is find one that it you don't need to like work to play you need to find one that makes you want to play it enough that it's not mm-hmm. you know it's not like it, it it doesn't it, you, have you don't want to make it a it. chore exactly exactly you can't make yourself have the patience for something you just won't do it you want it to be your hobby not like your work yeah exactly right exactly 
Yeah. Um, so that yeah, is, I think that's the whole cast. Yeah, that is that is uh, that is it. Thank you for bearing with us along the journey of this mammoth episode. Uh, I've got I've got a hell of an yeah. edit ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy that we did Sailor Moon for our second game. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just because I that that I think that sets the tone. Totally, you know, totally. We got the big competitive game that everybody plays and, the and then we got Sailor, Sailor Moon. Moon game that a bunch of people <laughs> yeah. haven't played so uh okay and that's a good spectrum so here's the thing uh wait no sorry so so if you liked if you liked the sound of having your question answered on this podcast and you thought you might want to try having your question answered you can send your question to us we uh, we take them on twitter we take them on discord however you want to send them we got them we'll answer those questions for you babe and uh, if you want to know what game you want to ask a question about, I may have hinted at it earlier, but next week we will be talking about Under Night In Birth EXE Late ST. My yep. fave. I can't wait. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. What I'm really going to enjoy is playing it with Armor again because uh, <laughs> they have somehow decided that it's okay to bully me about not blocking overheads. <laughs> so. I just do it. I just do an overhead, the same one, three times in a row until you start blocking, <laughs> and it works way more than it should. It's really funny. The uh, the context for this is that while I was in Chicago, we played Third Strike on GameCube pads, so uh, that was fun. <laughs> I just did universal overhead three times in a row, and I, I really wanted to parry it, but I couldn't. I just couldn't. I got owned. And when I play Undernight, I just uh, do Okatsuki's overhead three times in a row. So, if you want to see that, if you want to hear us talk about that, then tune in next time. Thanks for listening this time. Armour, where can people find you in the grand vortex of online? The easiest place to find me is on Twitter, at cigarettes. That's S-I-E-G-A-R-E-T-T-E-S. And you can go from there and find everything else we do, including videos of us playing Undernight on the YouTube channel. Yeah, or other episodes of this very podcast. That's correct. Curly, where can we find you on the internet? Twitter.com slash curl underscore e underscore brace for my terrible tweets. And uh, yeah, that's basically all I'm doing right now. I'm, uh, I, at one point, I produced YouTube videos and did live streams, and I'm trying to get back to that. But as I mentioned, I was in Chicago recently, and work is a lot, so mm-hmm. it'll happen. But until then, you can listen to this podcast. Yeah. Tell your friends about okay. this podcast. <laughs> Fight your friends. Yeah, fight your friends. Don't tell your friends about the podcast. Jesus, just just play video games with them. It's it's that easy. It's that easy. Get a controller in each of your hands and punch each other in the face. Do it. <laughs> and on that bombshell, until next time. You better go fight some more.